Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being back with us here. It is episode number 195 here on Monday, October the 5th, 2020. It is Q4, if you will, of 2020. And joining me as always is MQ, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, MQ4. Yes, MQ4 over here. Sorry for my fiscal jokes here. What are you, IRS? I hope not. Oh, folks, we're going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. If you've never been here with us before, that's what we do. Right. We romp you through the world of retro wrestling. It's rompy. It's romping. It's not the current wrestling. Yeah. It's old stuff. Yes. And we're going to be doing that here. But before we get to any of that, we hope you're all doing all right. Thanks for being with us here. It's October already, which is kind of crazy. And this is episode number 195. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't. I have a feeling you do because we have a lot of Twitter followers and probably... We should tell the Twitter followers, be sure to listen to our show. Right. It's the place to be, really. <laughs> it Twitter. is. And uh, the reason we have a uh, good Twitter is because we post drama-free wrestling clips. That yes. means daily, like dozen clips a day. Dozens of clips, zero drama. Zero drama. Uh, just things that happened on this day, you know, 27 years ago in 1993 or it's something like number, that. right? 27 yeah, exactly. years ago. Exactly. <laughs> we usually do things like that. So check it out. It's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You may also want to email us if you have a long-form question or something like that or concern yeah. it's possible we take concerns we take concerns we take it all it's it's really it's it's a box of anything really yeah, honestly it is ovppodcast at gmail.com that is ovppodcast at gmail.com but when there's another place where people have compliments concerns questions or just want to talk about dino bravo where is it well don't do that but <laughs> it's over at facebook.com slash not dino bravo right it's <laughs> Specifically, I, I just registered the whole thing. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. That's great. But anyway, there's a search bar at that Facebook site. You yeah, hear of it? Um, in, in the search bar, you type our man point dash retro wrestling podcast, bang boom, tube score, kafui, Dina Bravo, and then you're ceremonies, in. whatever. Right, cigarettes, and then yeah. you're in. Yeah. And what happens on our Facebook group? You talk about old wrestling, but we have one principal rule that you agree to when you join the group. It is don't be what? A dingus. Don't be a dingus. Don't be a dino. Yeah. Don't be a dino dingus. <laughs> dingus bravo. Yes. Uh, but don't, really. And that just means, how about don't be an asshole? Right. Oh. Ooh. Well, that's harsh. Well, it is episode number 195. You're, you know, you're tired of saying it. You just, 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 don't be a dick, <laughs> basically. Yeah, just be nice. Is that hard? Yeah. You just like, if you don't agree with somebody, you can say you don't, but just He's don't cutting be, to the chase this week. Yeah, the chase has been cut too. Yeah. Just be nice to each other. Be respectful. It does not mean agree and pretend that you like everything. It just means be nice and talk about really weird, obscure stuff like, you know, Randy Savage's clothes at WrestleMania 4. Like, weird thing. We don't care. They're good, though. <laughs> they I, are I like good. Them. I'll, uh, I'll start that discussion. You should, actually. Yeah. Uh, so that's over on Facebook. And also, if you want to support OVP, you can do that. It's over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Before you start turning us off now, we do that not to get rich, not to try to take your money, rip you off and anything like that. There's no ad-free version because there's no ads on this show. The whole reason for our Patreon is 
is to give you more content. So if you want all the pay-per-view reviews that are on there, WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 7 coming out like now, you can get them. It's all five bucks a month. It's if you like OVP already and you want to support us, you want more stuff, you get it there. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And Quinn, we've been counting down to episode 200 of Bicentennial. Wow. Up and down the highways and byways to the 200 land, huh? Both ways, yeah. yeah. By and, and high. Bye. Yeah, both of them. It's incredible. <laughs> And what we've been doing, folks, is taking a topic request from you guys, the fans that have supported us, whether you've been with us for uh, you know years since 2016, whether you've been with us for a couple of months, whether you just found us the other day, we want to hear from you. So you can email those to ovppodcast at gmail.com. And this week, Quinn, we have to bring our intern in here. Where is that boy? Where is he? Where, 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 where oh, he oh, there he is. It's our, it's our the, doobie boy. Coming come up doobie boy up the <laughs> stairs over here. Here he is. See, he's bringing in all the mail that we've received yeah. from you guys, obviously. Big bag. Big sack. And, uh, all right. Thank you. You meant so that don't make Quinn carry it. Can you? Hey. Please, don't spill his drink. That's not my job here. <laughs> I don't carry mail. <laughs> put it, put it next right. to me this week. There you go. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's turn that off. All right, Quinn, you want to pass me an envelope yeah, there? You there? Go. Thank you very yeah, much. There you go. <laughs> Good Foley artist there. Yeah. And uh, all right, this one is from Andrew Lassell, who is a longtime friend of the show. First time, long time, something like that. I like this one. Disappointing combinations, he says. Ah. Could be matches that under-delivered. Okay. Tag teams that underachieved. Commentary teams without chemistry. Or a manager-wrestler combo that didn't mesh. Thank hmm. you, Andrew. Jim Cornette along with the mentor. I like that, Quinn. It is interesting. There, because, there are many things that you think are good and they're not. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. basically like what this is. That you think will be good and they're just not. They're just stinky. One of the best examples off the top of my head that I can think of match-wise that under-delivered, and it's WWF's fault partially, is Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 90. Three. Yeah, it stinks. They, it does, right? Yeah. They made this big fuss about it. Without breaking kayfabe, they were basically saying... This is going to be the best match you've ever seen. It'll be a classic. This one, folks, is shaping up to be one of the greatest intercontinental title bouts in World Wrestling Federation history. Pretty much pr- promise so, that. I feel like, just on that vein in general, that anytime they tell you that the match is going to be like the greatest match and Melter's really going to like it or whatever, <laughs> like that's essentially what they're saying. That's right? what it's that like was. That this yes. is going to be great that it never ever delivers because it's just too much it's too much it's too much like, hype it's, they did the same thing recently with that Randall Orton versus Edge yeah, thing that was on purpose yeah <laughs> I know I get it but I mean tongue in cheek I mean what sucks about when they do that though is like even if it is like a, a half I watched it because they just said it was yeah. so I just was like okay let me see if this is actually good and I watched the match and I was like well this is okay. great it it's was stupid a, this is a fine match yes. right but it's like you told me it's a five-star match, so now it isn't. Like, yeah, you know, know what I mean? You, you've taken a star off of it. But they did that on purpose. Yeah, and, and the same thing with Perfect upset. and Sean. What it does is it sets impossible expectations. <laughs> They're not going to have the greatest wrestling match ever. Are you new? Perfect and Sean, though, was just... Sean was, like, in his fat mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Remember that? The chunky Sean? It's before they, they made him, like, have to think about it because of that fake steroids thing or whatever. <laughs> the suspension thing, yeah, yeah. where he, like, lost weight even though he wasn't, like, on steroids. I, I don't know. Whatever that was. He stopped eating as much fast food, I yeah. think, is all it was. <laughs> Aw. And then also, Perfect just wasn't on his A-game by 93. Well, I mean, it- once he got that fucking rhinestone shit on his <laughs> trunks, like, that's when he extra stunk in <laughs> WF. I'm just saying, like, after that break, he just never was good. He was never the same. Until he went to, like, WCW and he didn't, he wasn't the focus anymore. He's like, fine in WCW. Yeah, he really was okay. And the other problem with the two of them is that they're both very similar wrestlers. 
Yeah. They're both uh, big bump machines, oversell machines. Chicken shit heels. Yeah, and neither of them have particularly captivating offense. So Sean later, but not in 93. Not that character. Yeah, right, that not that version. meant to have blow you away offense. He was like a chin lock on the mat for a while and yeah. things like that. So Intentional count out. Intentional count out, right? So that's definitely a match. You got anything on your end over there, Michael? Well, one that always disappointed me was, um, as far from a match perspective, was a rude snake. Remember that? Any of their matches? We reviewed that shit. Yeah, they're never really good. What is that about? Like, the feud is amazing. The feud's great. Like, he, you know, the Cheryl Roberts and the they hate each other and the tights, the tights, the rude and awakening, all the stuff. The gra- yeah. There's all this stuff. The passion, the, the, the intensity. Terrible. They like, never really had a good one, did they? Yeah. They had one at WrestleMania, which was before it, and that stunk ass. That like it. set the tone for the stinky. Yeah. It and did. Then, like everything else after is just not as good. Unless there's one we're missing, folks. I, yeah. I haven't seen a good on one. Some house show somewhere that was never filmed. But wasn't it, there? They were like, this is good. You should do it on page. Like, I'm serious. <laughs> Like, it's probably, like, one match. The WrestleFest 88 one that we saw, that's from their house show loop. It wasn't good. Yeah. I don't know if they had better ones at the Spectrum or the Garden. Am I missing it? Maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm forgetting. But, yeah, that's a good one. It's so upsetting. Jake DiBiase, too, or WrestleMania 6 was underwhelming. There's there's a weird trend with Jake at WrestleMania, which is weird because sometimes he actually does pretty good. Yeah, but it's the ones that people don't remember, like the honky. Yeah. That one's good. The honky's good. But it's it's the ones that the people, like, remember the feud. Yeah. That they don't even think that the match was bad, even though it was horrible. Right. And I guess the fact that you remember the feud says a lot, and it's a credit towards Jake and Rude and Jake and But it also puts them in this weird place where they're kind of just like, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the feud was good. We can just sit in a chin lock the whole match and let a wave happen and all this. Uh, I got another match for you, actually. I want to get your thoughts on this, actually, because we actually don't talk about it much. And this might sound stupid, but Brett and Sean. What do you mean by this? That's what I want. Not that their matches are bad, because they're not. When they wrestle each other, it's, like, always good. Yeah. It just always felt like WWF, especially with the Iron Man, was promoting, but even the other ones before that, that this should be, like, the best match you've ever seen. And to me, Brett's best matches and Sean's both matches are both with other people. I don't know about that because here, here's how I look at it, right? Yeah. Is that Brett and Sean, you know what the problem always with Brett and Sean was? Is that like for whatever reason, their feud was supposed to be like understated and known. So like they would always do this thing where it's like they would just like I felt like Survivor Series 97, just for example, their like last fight. Yeah. Felt like it just came out of nowhere to me as a kid, like, cause Sean was doing all this other shit with DX and yeah, Brett was, like it, it, it was thrown together. Right. It, even, they were feuding, but the, the Iron Man match, the same thing. It's like Sean just happened to win the Royal rumble and yeah. they didn't really like, I don't remember them like pushing each other around. I remember them training in separate montages where they're by themselves. You know, like, I had to run on the, the ice in Calgary. It was right. like one degree out. Stu beat him up and all this. I looked like a fucking asshole. Listen right. to my dad. Yeah. But <laughs> The point is, is that I think actually the matches themselves are good. Are not, even you know what's so funny about that Survivor Series match that everyone like you know the, with the seven or the, the shitty ending, the one they the one with do. the no, spit in the face <laughs> yeah. and all that shit. You mean the screw job? The screw job. Yes, yeah, so I don't. I don't want to put those words on it, but the screw job. Okay. Before the screw job happened, that match was super fun. They're like fighting in the crowd. And oh, it's yeah. actually like really cool. It's like an Attitude Era style brawl before that was really what Austin did. Everyone always forgets that that's yeah. like what that match it's is intense. until it like gets in the ring, right? And it's yeah. actually kind of great. It's I mean, just that's the not... end. But my point is, is that Sorry. I don't think their matches are necessarily bad or like even terrible. In fact, I think they're kind of great because the passion is in their 
their fights even even in like the early days in the ladder match you know the ladder match from 92 their Survivor Series 92 yeah. it's all good all I'm trying to say is I always felt like there might have been more when you see their better matches with other people that's all I'm saying that's fine that's and all I mean I, I also think that has something to do um, the fact that in your head it's hyped to be like a five star match I think so and maybe it actually is a five star match but because you think it's supposed to be like a six star match in your brain five star match and six star match do you have anything else on uh, your end over there? Or do you want me to keep flowing here? Keep flowing. Oh, you want me to keep flowing, do you? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna s change gears here to a commentary team real quick. Mm -hmm. Does anyone remember Jesse Ventura? You've heard of him, right? I've heard of that guy. Tremendous color Wonderful commentator. Color. Literally and commentation. <laughs> like with this. Yeah. Literally the best, probably up there with Bobby. I mean, a lot of people say. Well, a lot of people say both. Okay, it's a split. Anyway, that said, Jesse Ventura went to WCW in '92. And their lead commentator in 1992 happened to be a fellow named Jim Ross. Remember him? Yeah, J.R. <laughs> Jim Ross. I, I hang from a green screen or yeah. whatever he is. <laughs> yeah. I watched the match, and, and a matter of fact, I fell asleep in the middle of it. They just did not work together. Yeah. If you ever heard, like, Shivani and Jesse were great. That Yeah. And you know what I think about J.R. in general? It's too serious with Jesse. And so, I, I'm talking about yeah, serious wrestling. J.R. actually sometimes doesn't mold right with people. Like... There's even once where, like, he's with Vince. Like, have you ever heard that? Just him and Vince? Yeah, it's Survivor Series 96, I think. It's yeah, not very that good. that shit's terrible. Because well, they're both doing the same thing. Yeah. Play by play, maybe, mixing it in. Maybe, I hate that. Maybe it's a result of, like, what JR became was very rough to get there because he had to kind of fight for it. And so he was paired with weird people along the way. All kinds of people. Because they're always trying to, like, undercut JR for some reason. Like, I don't <laughs> they know. They hire him and they're like, never, we fucked up. Yeah, I, I still don't get, like, <laughs> I don't the, know. the war against Jim Ross, like, for years. He like, had a period where he was the legitimate best or one of the best announcers in the business. Right. He really did. I mean, it wasn't a long period the way other people might yeah, say. Yeah, they were trying to sneak Michael Cole in there the whole fucking well, time. Like, <laughs> it's like, we got this fucking dweeb and he's better than well, JR. Yeah, like, compared to Michael Cole, JR yeah. was clearly better for yeah. the 90s. But yeah, JR and Jesse Ventura didn't work. Jim Ross is the only guy I could never work with on the mic. Jesse also wasn't quite the same as he was in WWE. It was just very disappointing. I wasn't as good because they gave me Jim Ross. He sucked. You sit down, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Look at these two. And like, yeah. JR no-sells all of Jesse's attempts yep. to banter. We should have been so much better than we were, but I was egocentric and jealous of what he was making based on what I was making. And I was unprofessional, and I did not hold up my end of the bargain because I didn't want us to be good. Yeah, I mean, commentary teams, it's so finicky. It, it, it really is. doesn't have to be kind of a perfect thing. And speaking of perfect, Mr. Perfect with anybody. On commentary. You don't like him, huh? He's terrible. <laughs> like, it, it's just... We heard it, him a few weeks ago, right? So... Superstars. I always have an issue with him on commentary because he does this... Like, he doesn't seem like Mr. Perfect. He just seems like this snarky commentator guy that never wrestled. I don't know how he <laughs> fucking pulls it off. But he's he, like Bobby he, Light. Yeah, it's dumpy. It's like, not that good. I mean, he's not... I think we discussed this. He's not bad, bad, like outright bad, like a Piper at SummerSlam 90. Yeah. But it just doesn't work. He's right? like rent a heel commentator. Yes, like, you know what I mean? Go. Like, it's just like some villain. You There's know? no defining characteristics about him. Yeah. There's, it's, yeah. It's, it's really like weird. Like, uh, you would think like Mr. Perfect would be pretty decent at this. He's okay. But he's very, it's, it's like disappointing. Underwhelming. It's anybody he's with. <laughs> 
like he's usually with like Vince. Yeah, it's or usually something. Vince and Jr. Or, or if it's like in the Jr. Later years. Like on like Saturday morning superstar, the crappiest like, yeah, version. It's it's like so bad in like '96 where, where they're just, literally <laughs> just filling time. It's real. Where it's like here's Ahmed Johnson and our exclusive here. He's taking on Freddie Joe Floyd. Yeah, like, as, no as, one cares. As the show opens up with the fake Monday Night Football man. Like you know what I mean, Brad? Huh? Yeah, it's like it's like this show matters. No, it doesn't. Like, Daddy, cool, really yeah. cool. It's like we got exclusive matches. Skip versus somebody. It's like you know what I mean. Like it's like that. Um, any other uh, any other disappointments here? Disappointing combinations. Okay, so it wouldn't be like a pay per view, right? That wouldn't be a combination. I don't think that's a combination. Tag team. Tell you what, the new Dream Team sucked compared to the regular Dream Team. They stunk ass. Seriously. But I mean, that's now, just should you know, they Bravo be good? involvement. So you're you're. Should they have been good, though? I guess yeah. it's not really disappointing, right? Right, right. But when I, you consider the original, it's like, oh, man, the Dream Team, fun team. They they gelled. Yeah, I mean, the Dream Team itself is a weird team. You know what I mean? From the fir- from the onset, I mean, Brutus the Barber. He's and crummy in 84 and 5, though. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. He got, I like that he beats the shit out of David San Martino. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> like, that's good. But, um, yeah, they're, they are a weird team. I really think that that whole new dream team thing that was really just an effort to try to make tina bravo somewhat okay they're on like you know what i mean like oh look at this guy their like, ongoing effort to make him okay yeah i mean <laughs> it really was just a, an excuse so dino bravo could change his hair color that's all it was to dye yeah. his hair blonde yeah yeah so he could be like johnny v who wants to be like johnny v like seriously why he's horrible like even the wrestlers know he's bad. No one liked him, really. Yeah. It was just sad. But I don't know. I like. I'm. I'm. He's warming to me. Any other? <laughs> any? Yes, he he's okay. Any other combinations? Uh, manager wrestlers. You know, Slick and Martell. I feel like they could have done more with. I'm I. Not, I'm, I feel like that's the opposite. I feel like that's a combination that nobody even like remembers. That's good. Yeah, but the thing people forget is Martell wasn't the model yet. Right, it would have made like more you sense. You want to retroactively like write it that he was, but he actually wasn't it yet. It is very weird <laughs> that he splits with Slick, and now he's the model. Yeah. Even though Slickster, literally his gimmick is that he dresses good. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I know. Do you think they were like, well, we can't have two guys that dress good because what, like, wouldn't one of them be better than the other? Like, yeah, right. You, you can't like, compare them to each yeah. other. Uh, coach with Mister Perfect was really bad. Yeah, yeah, but that's like one match. I don't consider that and real. A taping cycle. No, it's yeah. really did it. And he managed the Beverly Brothers. Yeah. I the mean, Brothers Beverly. I mean, were there any, like, Bobby combinations? Like, Missing Link is noted as Bobby's, like, worst combination, Great. right? Yeah, Missing yeah. Link did not work. He didn't want to do it. I'll be flat honest with you. The Link has no wrestling ability. Yeah, the Missing Link is a good one. The Missing Link. That was okay, dumb. My favorite story about the Missing Link from Bobby the Brain. Go ahead. Is the, is the one where, <laughs> where Missing Link, like, in real life, he, like, thought Bobby was really his manager. Yes. And he asked him to like pick his bags up at the airport and Bobby's ticket. like fuck you. Bobby's like I don't get paid to do yeah, this. Yeah, it's like I'm not I'm not your manager. I just I'm only your manager for like 5 minutes when you wrestle <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Like after that we don't really need to talk to each other. Like I, you know what I mean? Like so, It is funny though yeah. because it's real. I mean, he's not his actual manager. What's so funny about that to me is that in real life Bobby would probably do anything for like Andre Oh but, yeah, several people probably the blackjacks. Yeah, like, perfect. But this fucking guy, he he pulls the like I'm only your manager in kayfabe <laughs> card, like because he's just such a jerk. Yeah, like, I know. you know what I mean. Yes. Now, folks, I'm sure we're missing a lot here because uh, you know it's hard to think of these things spontaneously. But you can let us know some of your disappointing combinations, whether that's tag teams, whether that are matches that could have been good. 
things like that. Let us know. Quinn, do you have anything else before we uh, send it on home? No, I'm, right. I'm good. You're good? All right, folks. So what we're going to do when we come back, we're going to pull two more names out of the ranking take for the stables in wrestling. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of Factions, Stables, and Wrestling. And that'll be coming up right after this. Who were some of the earlier guys that you managed also in the WF? Um, I managed the Missing Link. I remember that. I'm trying not to. <laughs> what was he like outside the ring, Dewey? He came up to me the first night. He says, what time is your fight tomorrow? I said, around 10. He said, mine's around 11. He said, if you get there a quarter of 10, that's fine. I said, for what? He said, to get my boarding pass. I said, why can't you get it? He said, well, my gimmick, I don't talk. I said, well, you're going to have to now. Because I'm going to manage you 20 minutes a night if you go that long. I said, I'm not paid to take care of you on the road. Right. He said, well, I got the face and the hair. I said, this is New York. <laughs> They'll just think you have a bad hairdo. Right. They won't care. You'll blend in. But no, I was never anybody's manager. I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to be responsible for someone's life. Or mm. That's why I never wanted to be a booker or a promoter. I don't want to make sure people make a living. I don't have enough time making myself a living. From Harley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vanish Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 195. Thank you for being with us here. It is Monday, October the 5th. Quinn. Hi. Hi. You know, we talked about the Patreon, right? Oh, yeah, the Patreon. The Patreon. Quick pitch here. This isn't going to be like a whole thing. If you like us, mm-hmm. you want more OVP content, you want to support Joe and Quinn, patreon.com slash OVP podcast, the highest tier. Quinn's getting teared up thinking about uh, it. I'm crying. <laughs> the so high, great. The highest tier is $5 a month. That's it. $5. So what I encourage you to do, it's a new month now, right? You sign up today. It won't even charge you until November 1st. You unlock all of our content. Check it out. Try it out. You get all the pay-per-view reviews, all right? Next month, coming out in November, SummerSlam 91. We are just going through month by month. And if you like OVP, if you like this weekly show, you will like our Patreon content. Try it out, okay? Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's it. That's it. There you have okay? it. It's it's good. Get it, it. It's good. Get it. It's approved by Quinn. I, I, I'm a subscriber. <laughs> like. I'm listening to it all the time. That's right. All right, Quinn. Speaking of uh, listening to things here, our fans are going to listen to the Royal Rankings with us. Now, what is the Royal Rankings? Maybe you're new to the show. That is where each season, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of something. Could be anything. And for this season, it was stables, factions, and wrestling. We wanted your top 10 and your bottom 10, best and worst. Our chief statistician, the great Joe Merkel, mm-hmm. he takes all of those names, he compiles the votes, one tank for the best, one tank for the worst, we alternate each week, we pull out two names, random drawing, very random. He's got actual tanks in his backyard, yeah. right? that's where he, it's, and he pulls them out randomly. It's real. It's all real. <laughs> and then we rank them, so by the end of the season, what you are going to have are the definitive scientific, organic, certified, non-GMO, USA certified, healthy, and organic! Best and worst stables. All the things. Of all time in wrestling. Quinn, we have four on the board right now. Let's run them down. At numero uno is the NWO. New World Odor. New World Odor. New 
world owner. Number two is the Fart Foundation. Yeah, them. They, they farted a lot, and uh, Jimmy Hart was in it or something. The Hart maybe. Fart Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they beat out the Freebirds at number three. Which is only because the Freebirds, like, I don't know what the fuck they were doing after 1983. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> because they're just, they're minor people. Now, the, we actually didn't really get any pushback on that. Yeah. The pushback we got, if any, was that we put the Freebirds above the nation, who was number four. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't put the nation above the, Freebirds I were, can't. like, revolutionary. The nation were like, hi, we got Crush. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That really hurt him, was the whole Crush thing, in my opinion. Has I'm it just, ever helped anything? No, anything Crush is in is just... <laughs> It's upsetting. It I know helped. they I know they righted the ship, the nation, but like <laughs> that whole year of just like, man, Clarence Mason crush Savio? <laughs> what? This is weird. This is a man who believes what he believes, folks, and I I'm do. with him on this one. Yeah. So that's the four on the board though. NWO Heart Foundation, Freebirds, and the Nation. Two more names are coming out of the tank. Without any further ado, why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings? Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Are you ready? Yeah, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. I'm talking about Bad Streets USA. The further down the block you went, the better it got. And baby, we lived in the last house. Myself, the chief executive officer of the Dangerous Alliance. And the new world organization of wrestling, brother. I love you. It is the Royal Rankings of Stables in Wrestling. Own I love you. Yeah, never gets old. It <laughs> never gets old. As he like winks <laughs> to the camera. Uh, folks, we have run down the four names that are on the board right now. As we mentioned, two more are going to be coming out today. We're going to see where those guys are. Ryan Quinn, a good stable. Uh, as we've talked about the last several weeks, is one that really elevates maybe the wrestlers and elevates the storylines in the company. Yeah, it, it just does a good job for everyone involved. It, it helps. It helps. It, it, it's a good uh, heel foil to the faces for like a year or whatever. Yeah, usually. those, those yeah. tend to be the best ones, right? Or right. the ones that are heel foils to the faces. And we might notice that theme here. So um, I'm excited to see. The NWO still sitting proudly on top of its perch. Very proud, very loud, and the whole world's in it or whatever. Yes, correct. The whole world organization is yep. in it. Race car drivers in there yeah, and stuff. So. That's my favorite part. <laughs> the dinner in the movie people. Like, <laughs> it's incredible. I do have a shot. Fake sting. Fake sting. Yeah. Uh, without any further ado, though, I think we find out now who drew number five. Evolution, I can get behind that. Remember, they got Lammy <laughs> yeah, they to did. do it. Like, they always just drag him out. How, how first of all, like, did they... Triple you know, H loved him up. Now, was the Evolution the song, was that... Do you know if that was, like, done before? Or did they, no, Triple I H actually was, be like, he's my friend, he'll make the theme to this shit. I'm like, pretty sure that uh, it was a Motorhead song that Lemmy wrote for them. How did Triple H become big friends with Lemmy? I, that's always a mystery to I, me. I, I, just I mean, like Evolution. Triple H is a 
semi-famous wrestler by that point, guess, right? And he probably used his clout and to... You know he, I watch <laughs> Triple H on TV <laughs> and I want to make a song for him. It was, like, pr- it was like, it's like literally what that song it's is. the best impression I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably because they played at WrestleMania 17 and maybe it snowballed from there. Yeah. That's my guess, right? They, they call each other every month or Hi, something. <laughs> you won the title from Goldberg. Yeah. Um, anyway, Evolution, yes. Obviously, Triple H is the... Uh, this is like why he thinks he's really good. He's the king of kings, the, <laughs> and Lord, the Lord of and Lords, ma- yeah. Lord and master of the ring and all this. So this is the when people talk about how they don't like Triple H. <laughs> generally, it's, it's generally this, this version more than any version <laughs> is the evolution version. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I've got a waitress. I've got food. I've got drinks. I'm going to have myself a grand old time. Now, I want to pose a question to you though before we get into this yeah is part of that because he's a heel and you're not supposed to like him and despite trying to outthink the booking people are just falling victim to the fact that he was a heel so to me what this always reeked of it's the first instance of triple h having like a lot of power backstage and the ability to just decide one day that he has a faction that's going to be like the new four horsemen. I think that's what really upsets people. Well, that's, it's like, that was. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, I'm big friends with Ric Flair. So, um, right. And uh, I need to like help rehab him or whatever. So I'm going to make a big faction. Right. Now, man, now that was an admirable thing. I don't even have yeah. a problem with that. There hadn't been a good faction in a long time. Right. In several years. Yeah. This is 2002 when this started, by the way, folks, 2003 mm-hmm. uh, is when they really kicked in. Now, Flair had already been there. Remember, right. he had come back in yeah. late 01. And, and actually, the story is kind of nice about the whole Ric Flair thing, right? It's like, Ric Flair really was having trouble in real life. As right? always. Now, Triple H, here's the thing, is that he says that, like, the whole point of this entire faction was to, like, give Ric Flair essentially a pep talk. <clears throat> um, but I don't well, know if that's three all... Three-year pep talk. Yeah, I don't know if that's all it was about. You know what I mean? Because it was a vehicle for Triple H. Yeah, no shit it, it was. It was like, he was like literally like propped up as the number one heel. Yes. You know what I mean? Now, I do want to pose another question. Sure. Should there have been a different number one heel? I mean, he was a good, he was a good heel. Oh, I mean, everyone fucking hated him. Like, Isn't that <laughs> the point though? I mean, but again, I guess you can look at it both ways. Was it good for business? I don't know that offhand. I don't know. I either. don't know if he was like, all right, I'm tired of wrestling. So th- I didn't watch some of this because of. So part of this whole time period was it was really hard to tell <laughs> if um if business was even good. And let me explain that because basically they were essentially just riding the coattails of the Attitude Era at this point, right? Correct. It was like it was kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy that like, well, they're going to make money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they were a well-run business, no matter what. They didn't need to really do anything good anymore. And that trend they continues. Com- they didn't have competition. That trend continues. Yeah, I mean, this is actually in a funny way. This faction is kind of the beginning of that. Like, oh, we don't have to be good anymore. <laughs> like, we already made all our money. We're wealthy now. We we don't have to try as much, right? And what you see in this ring before you is the greatest example of evolution you will ever see. You know, one of the problems was. Evolution is very much an NWA-styled concept. Yes. Well, and I mean, it, it's, it's not anchored by Ric Flair, but it's, it is sort of right. at the same time. But a heel-led faction that dominates? Yeah. That was WCW-style. That was NWA-style. WWF didn't really do that. And WF fans were very... I don't think they like this. I don't like You know, honestly, like, like, Triple H was 
pushing behind the scenes for them to be a more heel driven business. You could you could tell yeah. like how it was because Triple H's character prior to this was fashioned as this he's always the fucking champion. He's a fucking asshole and nobody likes him. And he was great at that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's but, good at being that character. But this is coming off the the old school WF mentality of the last guy to hold that the the old school king throne there was fucking Stone Cold, right? Yep. Yeah, and the and Rock. That, the, Stone Cold and the Rock is the idea of the big baby face champions. And they by this point in two thousand two and three, uh, a we had a brand split already going on, right? But also they weren't really there anymore. Austin yeah. was barely there in 02 and 03. Be there to repel this shit. Yeah, and The Rock wasn't really there after the summer of 02. Yeah, <laughs> so it was left with like old man Shawn Michaels to fight them <laughs> off, and like like. And it ended up just being that the people who got rid of evolution were the people in evolution. Yeah, like, <laughs> just self-destructed. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll br- briefly run it down. But yeah, that's how it went as Triple H had flair with him. Uh, young Randall Orton, obviously. Young Randall, yes. The third generation superstar, grandson of Bob Orton Sr., son of Bob Orton Jr. But the original fourth man, Quinn, <laughs> Mark Jindrak. Yes, uh, picked out of obscurity. From, you know, the WCW to be this great big powerhouse for the evolution. So great, in fact, that they filmed shit with him in it. The company line on, like, the evolution DVD is that he, like, goofed off too much or something. And, like, I just think that, like, they they, fucked up. Look at his, look at him. They looked at the footage, like, no, we don't want you. We're sorry. (laughs) Yeah. There's, like, there's, like, some story. It's, like, Triple H is, like, you can't be in here anymore. It's, like, what? It's a fucking wrestling fact. Come on. It's definitely like, politics. And yeah, it's, it's definitely like... Someone didn't want him there. We've all decided. Me and Rick have decided this, and he doesn't fit. I go to Vince, and I'm like, why? He's like, he fits. I'm like, he doesn't fit. Why is his hair dumpy? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have picked him in the first... They probably just saw Batista. They're like, look at him. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He looks way better. And that's who it was. It would be Batista. Yeah. And they pretty much had a stranglehold on their uh, their brand there for quite a while in the, uh, like, 2003, right. 2004. So, a lot of people attribute the beginning of this shit, right, to, like, Triple H's handed the WCW belt or whatever yeah. on, on Raw by Eric Bischoff. Mm. And I think Ric Flair's standing next to him or whatever. Ashley! Yeah. And he's like, we're, we're a good couple now. weeks later, like, the evolution started to yeah. form, right? And all of the things that Ric Flair represents, I am today. Once it formed, it took over. Like, it took over the storylines. Of and, Raw. And we're on Raw, yes. Because thank goodness John Cena <laughs> yeah. was, like, doing There's good other things stuff. over on SmackDown. Yeah. Like, like, that's the other thing, too, uh, that we didn't even mention, because that's why I said old man Shawn Michaels fights them. It's yes. because John Cena was, like... He was forming also, but he was like in a separate universe. He was or doing his, his own thing as yeah. the rapper gimmick, you know, yeah. three and four over there on SmackDown, yeah. evolving was, in, evolving, evolving. No pun intended, <laughs> into into the John Cena we know and love. And there was also the SmackDown Six was going on during right. this era. Big so show, good, and, no, not big show. He was in the Six, <laughs> was he? Yeah, shouldn't have been. I think he was. I don't think so. Uh, was he? Yeah, I think I like think Rey so. Mysterio was in it too no, or something. Dominic Holmes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Evolution, like a good old heel stable, permeated the entire roster. It, again, their brand of Raw. Intercontinental Champion Randy Orton for like a million years. It uh-huh. was like seven months. But, but that was, that. see, this was a good thing. The no, it was Rand- good. Randall Orton thing. Yeah. This is the stuff that like I like Evolution. And Flair had it too, I want right. to mention. Yeah. And and yeah, I said like, it, 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 it felt like a project to, to get Ric Flair's give Ric Flair a pep talk. Yeah, but that it, youngster, it, that 54-year-old. There there was good things that came out of it. Like, that's the benefits of this, and I, that's what I don't want to, like, shit on. I don't either. No, it's I like, think it's okay. They had two guys, Randy Orton and Batista, and there was a company focus behind the scenes on, like, 
um, you know, all these guys are leaving. We need to like build up new characters and and people and stars. that nobody's ever heard of. We need to build them up from scratch. And they were and the, doing that. The idea was to take Randy Orton and Batista and like really make them into something. You know what, Quinn? And they did. Yeah. Despite what you might think of Randy Orton now, yeah, he has had a pretty good, friggin' good career. Yeah, in I all would, seriousness, I would say that Batista guy's doing pretty well, actually. I'd too. say Dave Batista <laughs> has done very well for himself. Yeah, I mean, it, not only was he, he was it. It's it's so funny. People like think of him as like Mr. Hollywood now, but he was in wrestling for like a really long time. Like started in 02 in yeah, WWF. In WWF, like until ten. Right, he came in at like thirty-five years old, but he was in WWF for like eight, eight years. years or something. Like that—that's like a big chunk of his fucking life. Yeah, and it, it wasn't like he was here for like two years and then left. He yeah. was here a long time and then came back. Yeah, and then he was Blue Tista, Blue Tista, and all that. But we'll get to that. We in the will history get to of that. evolution. So, without getting you know into the nitty and gritty, because a lot of this was like matches and angles that happened on Raw. Uh, they also had the tag titles, Batista and Ric Flair. Right. So that that was because they, they needed to do something with Batista, right? It's like you can't just have him standing around, right? right. Like So like it's like, okay, well, Ric Flair's there. They, we got two guys. Let's make them tag champs. Yep. And the big gold belt was their title, by the way. Like Quinn said, the world heavyweight title. Yeah. Triple H had won that back from Shawn Michaels at Armageddon. Remember where like Shawn had like crummy pants or something? Was that I think that? It, was, it wasn't like... No, he won, it wasn't Shawn the won it with the crummy pants. He, had the, he won it with the jeans and he had to defend it with the brown No, tights. he won it with the, the jeans is SummerSlam. Yeah, I don't <laughs> but, know. But anyway, so Triple H had it and then uh, Goldberg interrupted that at the end of 03. Remember yeah, Goldberg. Remember that? Remember Goldberg? Triple H won back. it back. <laughs> Everyone's like, why is his music slightly different? It like, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Triple H won it back in December at Armageddon uh, in a triple threat with Kane. And then, of course, as we all know, at the WrestleMania 20, vacant won it. Who won it at 20? I don't know. We don't know who won it at WrestleMania 20 in some oh, triple some threat guy. match. Yeah, we I, don't know. I don't even remember his name. No, it was Chris B- obviously. And uh, then Randy Orton. This mm-hmm. was so weird, right? Yeah. So the big win by Voldemort at WrestleMania 20, right? right. Like everyone's happy. Eddie yeah, Guerrero's Eddie happy. Guerrero. Right? Shawn Michaels just like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, you, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's literally like what his character is. Because like, he I'm, was neutral. I'm happy for him. Yeah, like, right. Even though I was in the match. It's, it's true. Like, so um, this big happy moment. And then Randy Orton, who's the evolution's still heel. Orton's still yeah. technically heel, right? He wins the world title from Chris ben- at SummerSlam 04. And everyone's, like, kind of happy about it. Right. So this... Okay, first of all, this amused me a lot because Triple H had been, like, chasing fucking Voldemort all, like... Since WrestleMania. Since WrestleMania. And then Randy Orton just goes in. Boom, bing, bang, boom. Just beat him. Yes. I guess it's just, like, no, clean, didn't he? Right. <laughs> like, no problem. Yes. Just like, it's like, yeah, I'm Randy Orton. I, I won high. <laughs> uh, you know? And so he wins the title. And I'm, like, very amused by this because big band Triple H over here. It's amazing. He, call, he makes... His character thinks of himself as, like, the king and the yeah. lord and Matt... And fucking baby Randy Orton just does what he can't do. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I believe it was... I think it was, like, the next night. Maybe even. it was either the yeah. next night. They turn on him. Yeah. Evolution thumbs turns... Thumbs down. Yes, they do the infamous thumbs down, Batista with the Batista bomb. What is this? What is this? Triple H now goes after Orton, wins the title in September. Yeah. The title goes back and forth a little bit to vacant shit like that, but the big development here... This is where we where Batista breaks out. So now Orton's already broken out, right? right. He's a breakout character from and this. It took Orton a bit to kind of find his like singles footing after, like with it did. not being in a faction, because he went from like kind of the he did the legend killer thing for a while. Remember yeah. when he still had the hey, oh, yeah, yeah. like the happy. So that's how he broke off. Batista infamously 
accidentally both won the Royal Rumble with John Cena, and like Vince tore both his clothes. <laughs> can I can I this just say 05, that's like one obviously. of my uh, that is hilarious to me. Like the fact Vince came, he storms the fuck out after John Cena and Batista double eliminated. And that each other. was that was a botch, by the way. That was a botch. So here here we got Vince, who's probably pissed as it is in real life because yes. he's like, how the fuck did you guys fuck this <laughs> yeah, up? Right. Like, you know what I mean? But he's got to pretend that he's the Mr. McMahon character, so he's so like he, extra. He's like extra pissed. Yes. <laughs> so he comes in wait. He comes in fast, and honestly, I just feel bad for him because that must have been extremely fucking painful to tear your quads. <laughs> yes. To tear both your fucking yes. quads, like on the apron or whatever the fuck happened. Trying to leap into the ring and trying yeah. to stand up. Oh god. And so he just had to, and and it's got to be also embarrassing on top of it to have to like go through the whole thing sitting on your ass but acting like you're Mr. McMahon yes. and like he just he does it anyway because he's a fucking pro yes like, you gotta give him that yeah and he just, I don't even know how they got him away without like a stretcher because he couldn't walk I have no idea yeah. I, that sounds like one of the most painful freaking things yeah to tear it's both not like quads. he was a young man either yeah so that must have been horrible I know yeah uh, so Batista wins he, they restart it. Batista wins. And then it's basically like Triple H is trying to get Batista like, no, challenge uh, JBL because uh, right? yeah. you could pick. And Ric Flair, meanwhile, is like with him. He's like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, I, I think Ric Flair like pieces out in the middle of this feud like of evolution. He like, kind of does, right? Yeah, he's he, like, hey, I'm done. like with fades away. Like, he doesn't even like, he doesn't even like, there's no big blow up. He's just like, yeah, fuck this. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm too old for this shit. Right. Like, it's like, I'm out of here. And then Triple H tries to like orchestrate a feud between JBL and Batista to yes. like get all the yeah. <laughs> attention away from him. Uh, it doesn't work, obviously. Batista's like, no, I'm fucking challenging you, you dick, yeah. at WrestleMania 21. And uh, which is cool, Cena is the one that winds up challenging uh, JBL. Right. So in the that same, all works out. In the same night, we got two uh, champions there. We got Cena defeats JBL, and obviously Batista defeats Triple H. Batista ball! And that's kind of the end of evolution as a, a stable, except for there's a couple of reunions they had. So yeah, the the Blue Tista reunion, which everyone <laughs> yeah. remembers, fourteen. Yeah, it's where amazing. They, where they fought um, the new, basically the new evolution in the Shield. Yeah, like they were kind of the next big faction because yep. yep. for many years there was junky factions that didn't live up to you know what evolution. Even even as much as I don't love evolution, they were the last like good faction for like a long period of time. They were at like yeah, an yeah. old school stable. Yeah, they really a stable were. that was like decent, and you yeah. took them seriously. I totally agree. Yeah, they also had like their fake reunion, really, in eighteen or whatever it was when like Batista attacked Ric Flair. Oh yeah, remember that. it was like orchestra because remember Batista just became a gigantic asshole for a period of time. That's because they couldn't figure out what to do with them after that Daniel Bryan thing. Yes, like it was like nobody likes this asshole. Like you know what I mean? Like he just comes in here with his fucking skinny jeans, and he's like, "I'm better than Daniel Bryan." Like, no, you're not. Dressed like Pitbull. Yeah, <laughs> remember that? <laughs> it's real. But anyway, uh, Evolution, I think, has a lot of good qualities. Yes, I really do. I mean, well, again, we we skimmed over some of the history because I'm not that enthralled with it, honestly. But I think the bigger picture about it, more than the week to week stuff that might have pissed people off is it was hugely instrumental in the careers of both uh, Randy Orton yep. and Batista. It elongated Ric Flair's career as like a manager slash wrestler. And I mean, hell, if we didn't have this fucking thing, we wouldn't have had Guardians of the Galaxy. For it's, I'm just it's saying. Possible. It's possible, yeah, Quinn. Just, who knows what would have happened. And despite what you think of Triple H, I, I don't like this version of him, but I also haven't revisited it in a long time. I don't know how many other choices there were for a top heel during this period of time. 
as far as like besides forming a faction? Yeah, besides Triple H, I mean, I oh, think. That oh, okay. He was still in the prime of his career hmm. for most of this, and I mean, it depends who they wanted to make that be the heel, right? Right. It's like you, they they still have like the Undertaker could have just been a big fucking asshole <laughs> too. Like, they could have just done that. Could have. Uh, I do like how Triple H sometimes had the purple tights and looked yep. like weird. Yeah. I remember the white boots. The one time when he like shaved or something. <laughs> he didn't like, have the beard and yeah, he was silly. I, I don't because that was like when they were trying to be like, oh, he's he's like Ric Flair, you know, like, and Harley Race, rich fucking guy or whatever. Like, we don't think of Triple H that we think of him in a jean coat. Or we whatever. think of him like, as Shawn Michaels' friend from yeah, DX mainly. Yeah, Shawn Michaels' flunky or the guy with China from like two thousand. That's literally 99. like that's the thing about this evolution thing. Also, is a big part of Triple H's like overall arc as a, as, a, as a character or whatever <laughs> yes. like and and it's funny it's not that good <laughs> i know like people don't like the guy who made that video called wrestling isn't wrestling anymore but it actually like captures triple h's entire lifetime storyline pretty well and evolution's like a big chunk of it it's a huge it's three years of it yeah and it's just really funny that that this in a weird way works into the like chasing trying to be like better than Shawn Michaels aspect. He's not better than, than Shawn Michaels. Uh, yeah. He's not better than Ric Flair, and he's right. not better than Harley Race and whoever else, but Killer he, Kowalski. Killer maybe. Kowalski. He might be better than him. Killer Khan. Yeah. Uh, but he was successful. Yes. And it was something that uh, drew a lot of attention, and to his credit, Triple H wound up looking like an ass more of this than people really want to give him credit for. I mean, he lost the feud. He lost to Batista. Yeah, and I mean, and he, he did was, lose. He was the ultimate loser. Hell, even fucking old man Ric Flair won because he got to go happily, like, do yeah. this, like, leave the memories alone and all that. Like, yes. I'm, I'm just saying. So, it worked out okay. I don't know, again, the business figures. I don't know if it was good for ratings, bad for ratings. I don't know. You can you can tell me that if you want to. But, Quinn, I think that's good for evolution. You want to find out who drew number six? Sure. All right, let's do that. I am very proud. I'm ecstatic because this is the Bobby, the Brain Heenan family. The Heenan family. Oh, there they are. Do there's they even a, have music? No, no. there's, there's <laughs> no music. Uh, there's a lot of members in the Heenan family. Tons. I'm, I'm iffy on this counting, but I guess it does. I mean, it, all it is is a name of it's just people a bunch of Bobby people. managed. Yeah, well, to be fair, though, to, to how they were nominated, Bobby did like refer to his like people as like a stable not just like a, well, he not said just, it was a family not just a bunch of people that were like he managed he said a stables for horses he manages men yes, yes. <laughs> that's what he said it's a family all right well obviously there's like seven thousand people in this and what we'll do is run them down just to give you an overview it started in the awa now bobby obviously had started his career in the early 60s believe it or not we know that as that's a wrestler correct. and a manager Pretty Boy Bobby Heenan, but by the 70s is when the brain character really started to take hold, right. and that's where he started to manage groups of people. I do have a soft spot in my heart for the American Indian. I left the ring, went back, and was going to sacrifice my own. I had one towel to dry my hair with that night. You probably know if you know anything, Ruben Vasquez, about the AWA. It yeah, had the, unfortunately. had the blackjacks in it, Lanza yeah, Mulligan. I remember them. Bobby Duncombe Sr., Yep. He <laughs> nah, seems like nah. just somebody that's there because the Blackjacks are there. Probably. Like, I'm not even, isn't he like, isn't Blackjack Mulgan his dad or whatever? Duncan? <laughs> Who's that? No, Bobby Duncan Sr. is not related to them. Oh, okay. They're not, they're not a thing. <laughs> no. Ken Patera, Bobby, obviously famously managed uh, in both companies, WWF and AWA. Mr. Saito. Uh-huh. They famously went to McDonald's together. Him and Ken Patera was at Wendy's. Yeah, no, the McDonald's. former WF tag champ, yeah. Mr. Fuji. 
his crowning achievement, Nick Bockwinkle. His Ric Flair, basically. His Ric Flair, yes. yes. Until he got Ric Flair. Yes. Uh, and I love Mick. I really actually really like Nick Bockwinkle. No, he's great. Yeah, you know I who's really, also great in this? Yes. Fucking Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens, yes. Another Bobby protege there. <sighs> Ray Stevens. I love Ray Stevens. Like, he's so I'm good. sorry. Like, he's, no, he's good. Great. Like, no one, you never need to apologize for liking Ray Stevens. Why is he's he fucking good? To Quinn. me, he's like one of those people who popped out when we did 82. I was like, man, Ray Stevens was great. He was. Yeah. He was really good. Uh, Stan Hansen uh, also was associated with this. I don't know much about Stan Hansen being managed by Bobby because he kind of just always like barnstormed the U.S., right? Yeah. And even Bobby, I've heard him talk shit about Stan. He didn't even like him. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think, know that. I He says something about him in that. AWA shit. I know he didn't like Bruiser Brody. Yeah. They're I don't similar. know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing things up. Maybe you're being JR. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Everyone's Bruiser Brody. Yeah, Bruce I, I, I'll fucking know. Yeah, exactly. I don't fucking care. I'm, I'm horny. I'm having a JR moment. <laughs> I don't know. And also Super Destroyer Mark II, which Mark. is uh, Bob Remus. Yeah, uh, Mar- Mark Remus. Yeah, Mark Remus. Bob Remus before Get he was right. Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> now, Bobby was also briefly in uh, Georgia, NWA. And again, I'm not going to pretend to have seen a lot of this. I've seen very brief clips. It was we like 79. People, though. But we know the people. Austin Idol, who I like. Uh-huh. You like him? Yeah. Austin Idol, what you've seen? I've, I like what I've seen. I agree. Blackjack Lanza, again, of course. Yes. Bobby Jaggers, who I know we have seen places before, this Quinn. This guy sounds familiar. Hangman Bobby Jaggers. Where have we seen him? Florida, maybe. I can't remember. He's he's appeared on some shit. And here's another guy we've seen is Ernie Ladd. Big Cat I love. Yeah. Heel Ernie Ladd, man. That, that, Fuck make, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Don't give me that smirky look on your face. You're just a TV announcer. And I know I burn you up every time I look at you, TV announcer. It makes you sick, don't it? Don't it, boy? Killer Carl Cox, I don't know much about. I've seen him. I, mm-hmm. I know about him. He's an old fuck, and <laughs> sorry, it's not nice. Yeah, uh, mass superstar. That's Axe. of course your favorite Axe. Axe. His, yeah. his partner Axe. Yeah, Professor Toru Tanaka. Again, a, a Fuji partner in WWF is where I mainly know of him. Yes, I don't know too much about him with was Bobby. In the industry like for a zillion years. Too. Right. Uh, Outlaw Ron Bass was. I did not know you this. Know, you know my love for Ron Bass. He's good. Yeah. He's better, like, not in the WWF. I gotta, I gotta say, just even at this point, Bobby had, like, a r- lot of really good heels in his, like, stables yeah. over the years. Like, he really did. And I'm sure we will talk about why. Uh, now, the WWA, which has got to be off the top of my head, Dick the Bruiser's WWA, he had people like Angelo Poffo. <laughs> he this, managed Angelo? Yeah. That's weird. Oh, you know, my dad was really good. Yeah. Bobby that, liked Angelo. He did. He did. But you know, Didn't th- like Randy. This guy <laughs> seems very up Bobby's alley for some stupid reason. Baron von Roschke. Like he seems yeah. very, like you know what I mean? Like yes. that seems like somebody who would fall under Bobby yeah, at you're right. some point. Who is Chris Markoff? I don't know. He he could mark off out of here. <laughs> but you know who uh, you know who could also mark off out of here? Fucking Valiant Brothers. Bob, Bobby did not like the Valiants. They stink. Either. Well, you like Jimmy, but as Boogie Woogie, right? Yeah, not as a. He's not even calling himself a Valiant anymore at that point. He's well, Boogie Woogie, Jimmy Valiant. Or yeah, Boogie I know, Woogie it's, man. It's, it's, they would always just call him Boogie Woogie on well, TV. Yeah. And V just shortens it, unless it's Johnny V. Yeah. He's not, you know what I mean? Johnny V is terrible. Bobby didn't care for either of them. Yeah. For whatever I, reason, I don't Probably just personal, just didn't like them. It's weird Boogie Woogie because he was allegedly well liked. I don't think he liked either. I think yeah. he thought they were didn't do anything as the Valiants. Like they were lazy and just didn't do anything. That, that seemed to be his problem. Beverly Brothers of the 70s or whatever. So. <laughs> and uh, so that's just a brief rundown. And those of you that know more, please, about mm-hmm. any of these, yeah. let us know. We're, pre- we're not saying that we do. Like We're yeah. not pretending to know a lot. We're just reading the names now, I to think, let you know. 
I think though that a lot of people remember the Heenan family more for the WF version, right? And and there's got to be. We have a nice timeline view of like iterations. Yes. That I think we can make a judgment here. I think so. On how good the Heenan family is. I think that's the the meat of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bobby came in in '84, in September of '84. Most people know this. He was actually originally supposed to manage Jesse Ventura. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And guess who Jesse Ventura was going to be challenging that night at MSG in September of 84? Yes. My name is Bobby the Brain Heenan. I have outsmarted everybody in professional wrestling, every manager in professional wrestling, because in very short time, I'm going to be stepping in the ring with this man here. So instead, they put Bobby with Big John Studd. Now, we think John Studd seems to be the nicest guy in the world mm-hmm. like in real life he just i've heard great things about john minton john stud but for whatever reason i just never he doesn't resonate with so, me as a okay. wrestler so here's the thing is that now that we're watching 82 and 83 now and he's he's there he's all over that shit right by 84 when bobby comes in big john stud needed fucking bobby the brain here and let's I'll give be you that. let's be absolute maybe that was just the thought here it was I'll like give you this that. shit ain't fucking working right. blast, he can, blast he can't even get his, his ass over it's just he's big but he's just not impressive you know right. uh, so bobby definitely helped giant like giant like yes. yes ken patera came back to the wwf and bobby was under his uh watch as well of course because of the history there yep which is nicely done and, and ken patera also had a history of being the intercontinental champion in wf yep. so it was kind of like this oh wow these guys are like a force yep. you know still with the bleach blonde hair still yep. a dick you know that's how patera should be now how did this happen because i don't even remember this buddy rose so buddy rose was not there a lot and not a long period of time he was there sometimes and i did not I probably have only vaguely seen Bobby manage him because I mean during this stretch we're only two years off Buddy Rose being fucking awesome in WF. Yeah, we are, and then he obviously was around for WrestleMania one, but they put a hood on him and called him the Executioner. Very weird. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I yeah, honestly don't know why. Because I mean, he like he was kind of over as like a heel in the days before that we watched. Like people liked him. Eighty two, eighty three, they yeah. liked him in Portland. He was he was a great heel. Was- I don't. I don't. Now that we've seen the history, it's like I don't get it. I don't get why they. Maybe we'll see it. He'll downgrade or something when he comes back. Maybe. Uh, Paul Orndorff was also with Bobby starting in 84. Paul Orndorff obviously would be one of his crown jewels for a couple of years there. Paul Orndorff and and the changing alliances of Paul Orndorff. Yes. Like, yes. It it was good stuff, though. I mean, Bobby really, he was one of Bobby's best guys for the mid-80s. Definitely. And then, like you said, he got the missing link in 85, which sucks so much. The missing link sucks. I don't know what this was about. They, They really, here's the thing. Is missing link had a look that I think Definitely they could have capitalized, but if the fucking guy who played him wasn't garbage, like <laughs> they may, maybe could have made some money. Right. right? Yes. Like, I'm serious. Like that, he could have been a really good Hogan, like that look. Yeah. He's like an actual fucking monster. He had a great look. Yeah. If Hogan didn't want to work with him or they didn't put him against Hogan, that should tell you something. Because if right. you can make money with Hulk Hogan, they'll do it. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you can make even like a slight profit with yes. Hulk Hogan, they'll fucking do it. They don't care like who you are. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you could look like an ass. As long as you can make money with Hulk Hogan, they would have done it back then. Yeah. For real. Exactly. Uh, so Bobby briefly had him. He also briefly had Adrian Adonis, but that, see, this is a case, this is a pairing, I guess. Here's one. Yeah. Talking about combinations, Andrew LaSalle. It worked better when Jimmy had Adrian, and what they did, basically, is Jimmy Hart had, had brought King Kong Bundy in in, mm-hmm. in the spring of 85, right? Like, right around WrestleMania 1. Yep. yep. And Jimmy Hart then traded King Kong Bundy to Bobby Heenan in exchange for Adrian Adonis. There you go. And Bobby with Bundy is much better. Now and what Jimmy with Adrian is much better. I agree with you. What do you 
do you like this whole aspect back then too of like the Heenan family being like a type of stable I guess that would like trade for people because I thought that was really fucking cool yeah there's contracts and things yeah, like that yeah. and it's talent and it's how is this guy gonna best fit in my stable yeah yeah because it's cool because then King Kong Bundy ends up being like a big thing for the Heenan family in 85 especially right. 85 86 Bundy's a big deal big challenger for Hogan uh, Bobby also gets himself Hercules Hernandez in 86 What's the problem, baby? Since you're getting all this cash, I like the contract. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Hey, you know the slicks to take care of business. There you go. Dude. Well, so does the brain. One moment, please. Now, Hercules, so much potential. I agree. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Like, I like Especially him. now that you're seeing the power and glory years where, like, on, on the lot, on the Patreon reviews or whatever, yes. where it's like, he actually wasn't done yet. Like, no. he, he, he... Hercules is good. He's, he's always mired in this, like, this bad face run he had. That's really the pa- the bad period for Hercules. Is eighty eight to ninety before the power and glory, right? But eighty six, eighty seven, Hercules is, is good. Yeah, I, no. I've always said that he is good, and he it, is. It's sh- I think this needs to get a little bit more. Um, we need to get this out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like because Hercules is actually okay. He is, but eighty eight to ninety when he's just punching all the time. Yeah, Mister Punch Punch. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it, that's when he's bad. Uh, so that was pretty good for Bobby. And then obviously he gets the king of wrestling, Harley Race. Yeah, you know the I, king of only wrestling. Only the king could be with Bobby the Brain. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like a a leeching Bobby the Brain yes. kind of thing going on there, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But you know what it does for Harley because by this point Bobby's been established a couple of years. It gives Harley more credibility to the to the fans that don't know who he is. The WF people, correct? Right. Like, for the Bob- northeastern people, the kids that just started watching last yeah, it's year. Like, I only know Hulk Hogan. He's yeah. always the champion. Like, and you find out, oh, Harley Race is the champion like everywhere, yeah, forever, eight times. Yeah. So if this like big meanie Bobby Heenan comes on the screen, it's like I have the king of wrestling. Yeah. Instant credibility for, for right. the kids. Uh, and obviously, Mula, this is yours. Yes. <laughs> what? What does, am that I doing? Count, does Mula technically count as part of the Heenan? <laughs> no, no, of that no. One time, uh, obviously. Some big developments. Clearly the biggest one is C.V. Afi. <laughs> Can someone explain this to me? I don't sure. Even, I really don't remember this at all. Like, how? Yeah. what was this for, like, a fucking day on Superstars? Yeah, C.V. Afi is with Bobby when he's High Chief Afi and he joins the Islanders as a heel briefly. Oh, we're talking about that. Yes. I see. But when the Islanders turned heel, Bobby brought him in. And the Islanders, man, Quinn, can we please talk about them for a second on the Holy main shit, canon like, here? Okay, so here's the thing, right? It's the Islanders, right? They were basically, like... The brain busters, essentially, for Bobby the Brain. Yeah, they were big. They were like his big team. They were so good, man. They are. Why don't they get enough credit? They're fucking badasses, too. Especially Tama. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, because you'd think of him doing the silent, like, uh, Samoan gimmick. Yeah. You'd think that's what it'd be, because he is a Samoan, right? Right. He's a Fatu. But he's like, yo, man, fuck you! Yeah, basically. like (laughs) He he does! He does this constantly. He's just, like, trash-talking the entire match and stuff. And he's got the backup of fucking badass Haku behind him, and it's like, Tama talks shit, and Haku just is like... You know, yeah, like his knuckles, his head, like, like yeah, yep. like behind him. It's like they're good, don't man. Fuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> so when you talk about Aku and Toma, they've always been a, a, a great team. Their feud with Strike Force is just incredible. And you know what mired them was what? the freaking Matilda. The, the Matilda that ruined them. That and that weird fucking thing at um, Royal Rumble '88. <laughs> that, that, that match with the young stallions or whatever yeah it does it was a bad showcase for them <laughs> but obviously the biggest thing to happen to Bobby Heenan in the 1987 Quinn is Andre the Giant yes that is the because he spent he spent his whole career feuding with Andre since he came in yes since 84 studs feuded with him all that stuff the machines right, right. which might have been Andre we, we I don't know and then obviously when Bobby Heenan and Andre show up on Piper's Pit right in February of 87 like, mm-hmm. dude, this is some serious heat. 
And the reason that if you want to get Andre the Giant, who has been a face like his whole career, right. you want to get him over as a heel nearly instantaneously, you put him with Bobby Heenan in front of Hulk Hogan. Boom. Yeah, and it also was used as a rational reason for like why the fuck would Andre the Giant turn heel? It was like, he brainwashed him! Right. Like, Gorilla won't stop yelling about that shit. <laughs> yeah, so pissed about it, right? Yeah, hypnosis! <laughs> that fucking weasel, that asshole! And we all know the business that this did, right? And this is actually a pretty good version of the Heenan family forming here by 87. Yeah. Besides C.V. Offie's involvement, but like... Briefly. Yeah. 87, 88, Bobby's got Andre the Giant. Mm -hmm. He's got Hercules still until he tries to sell him uh, to Ted DiBiase. He's got Harley Race. And then he gets a new guy in the summer of 87, Ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. And now Rick Rude was like, I feel from the beginning... I know that behind the scenes they didn't like each other or something, but like, Rude didn't like him. This pairing is great. Like it's really good. Like it's see, I believe it Rick Rude good. like yes. loved Bobby the Brain for some right. reason. Like you know what I mean? They, they did. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I mean Bobby's been on the record saying Rude didn't want a manager. Rude didn't want him there. Right. But Bobby said, "Well, I'm here because Vince wanted me here. It's yeah, not and, my fault." And to be you honest know? with you, Rude had a lot of aspirations his whole career, so it's very. It's one of those things that I don't think it was like he didn't like Bobby. He I resented that there. Bobby was there. That's what it was. Because he was like, well, I, I can wanna, do this myself. I, I can do this myself. It wasn't like he didn't like Bobby the Brain Heenan. As a person, no. no. They, they didn't dislike each other, but Rude just didn't want him there. However, I think that being in the Heenan family and being associated with Bobby Heenan really helped. Oh, yeah. It really helped because get you, Rude over. Because nobody knew who the fuck Rick Rude <laughs> right. was when he came Unless in. Unless you watch like world class or something, you know? Yeah, if I'm Rick Rude, I bet you he's more resenting like probably by 90 when he wanted to do more. 89, 90, yeah. He probably wanted to like, that's what they're referencing. Right. He probably was like, can I just like be on my own, please? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But man, I mean, that gave that gave Rude some credibility. It gave Bobby a new guy to fawn over. He put him against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in the end of 87, right. who would by then left again. Mm-hmm. And obviously, let's not forget the big business that this did Orndorff and Hogan in 86. I and mean, we got to mention that Bobby's instrumental in getting that whole thing over. Right. right. Then in 89, we get even better here because we've got Andre still. We've mm-hmm. got Haku, who's now a king. Right. We've got Rick Rude. The Terry Taylor Brooklyn Brawler thing we're not worrying about. But then we bring in... I mean, that feud is good because of the primetime thing. <laughs> it's like but, one of my favorite... That's one of the best Heenan family things. It is. I agree with thing. you. And so are the Brain Busters. Yeah. Short as it was, the Brain Busters coming in, establishing themselves as a top team, winning the tag titles from right. demolition of all people. That shit was unbelievable. So Bobby had a... Bobby's years of like 88, 89 yeah. are really good. Very strong for the yeah. Heenan family. 87, 89 yes. maybe. And then... We get Barbarian. How did, oh, Barbarian, because he spends a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. Right. So <laughs> I want to say this Barbarian thing. Yeah. Man, this is the beginning of the end. Right? It is, yeah. Because he gets Barbarian, and then Andre the Giant fucking leaves. Same day. Yeah. Right. The where, same fucking... Where he like, proudly brings in Barbarian earlier, Andre had left him. Yeah. It's so sad. The whole that to me, that's the downfall of the Heenan family is, is the end of WrestleMania six's tag match. I know. And Bobby's like, I'm going to build a new family. And we're like, no, you're not. No, you're it's not. never going to be the you same. You only got fucking Barbarian, Rick Rude and Haku. Yep. Like, that's it. And he gets one more new guy. Right. In uh, May of 1990. And that would be Mr. Perfect. Right. Mr. Perfect was meant to anchor the damn thing or yep. whatever that was. Perfect and Rude. It was like you have your world title challenger and Rick Rude and you have your intercontinental champion, Mr. Perfect. Then you got Haku and Barbarian. Right. Decent, but they weren't lighting the world on fire. Slim down, Heenan family. And that's it. I mean, they yeah. fade away into 91 because Bobby stops managing. So I want to say this because I think there's there's confusion about this yes. as far as like if he is in it or not. Is Ric Flair. No. 
Like, but, so Ric Flair, was the, way they, the way they perceived it, though, right, is that, like, it's like an extension of yeah. the Heenan family or something. Like, I don't <laughs> it's know. It's not the Heenan family. It's just that Bobby has, like, a business deal with him. Right. He's getting a cut because he's Flair's financial advisor. Why would you trust Bobby the Brain? I don't know. <laughs> and Mr. Perfect is the executive consultant. Right. So, like, Flair and, is... And, and he manages Perfect, too. Yes. So, that's Bobby inserting, like, so he gets another cut, probably. Right. He yeah. gets a cut out of the whole thing, yeah. but Flair's the one paying them. You right. know, like, yeah. it's not he, It's not the Heenan family anymore. Yeah. Bobby just it gets a percentage. That's why a girl is always like, it's your meal ticket, Brain! Yeah, it's Brain and Perfect, like, going into business for themselves. Yes. Like, but it's not the Heenan family. Yeah. Uh, so that's just the rundown. We hope you enjoyed that as we went through like literally everybody in it. In terms of a stable, though, I think it's high points before we get to ranking in the WWF anyway. Obviously, the Orndorff-Hogan feud, mm-hmm. huge business. Right. The uh, Even the Bundy-Andre stud thing was, was pretty good stuff that they had going on there. The Colossal Jostle yeah. uh, in 85, the hair match, mm-hmm. the hair body slam. I mean, the body slam match, I There's should say. There's a lot of stuff, but I, I mean, the highest of high point is WrestleMania Andre, the, 3. Andre the Giant, right? That's Bobby's yeah. bread and butter. Even though Absolutely. he also had the main event at WrestleMania 2, by the way, that nobody even seems to remember. No, because it's not as good. Yeah, I'm just saying, Bobby <laughs> was like did. in the main event of he WrestleMania was. the year before. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. He was. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, he had some memorable moments. He had some titles. Never had the world title, technically, again, flair notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Uh, again, it's harder because it was not really so much like a a stable stable in the sense that it was a group of guys that formed organically. It was whomever Bobby Heenan managed. A yep. lot less cohesiveness there, and uh, that might hurt it. We'll have to see. But Quinn, I'd say it's ranking time if you're game for that. Sure, let's, let's do that game. All right, so uh, let's run them down again. Number one is still the NWO. Two, the Heart Foundation. Three is the Freebirds, and four is the Nation. As far as evolution, I start them against the nation. I think they're a little bit better than the nation. In the sense that they were probably... They had a lot of belts. So did the, so did the nation, right? Well, I see. Euro. Euro. I see. Did they even have the tag ever? No. I don't think they did. No, and they never well, had the world. They did have a bunch of belts in, in whatever that other thing was. USW, G- don't JC, bring that JC, up. Icy Ice no, and all them. Yeah, <laughs> Ice-T, whoever. Yeah. Uh, no, that doesn't count. I mean, in terms of kayfabe success, yes, Evolution is better than The Nation, of course. Right, right. The Nation was... Here's what The Nation was good for. We're just going to have to compare the good points. It really helped The Rock. Oh, It hell gave yeah. him a vehicle. Yeah, that, that did help him. It helped the mid-card of Raw in 98 because it was like... The, it anchored the mid-card. The DX versus Nation feud anchored the mid-card. I agree. For the summer of 98, anyway. It broke out D'Lo Brown. It uh, broke out The Godfather. Mm-hmm. People didn't realize how good he was, but it broke out Mark Henry. Right. They didn't realize that. You say this, though, right? And here's my here's my only counter to that counter for, it. for no. the evolution. I'm not saying Nation's it launched, better. It launched the two yeah. biggest, like, uh, with John, with alongside with John Cena. Yep. It launched, essentially, the tri- two of the three, the trifecta of, like, WF for, like, the entire 2000s. I agree. Right? In, in Batista and Randy Orton. No, I totally agree with that. And actually, uh, Edge, it's more of like a four-way. Edge, yeah. yeah. Edge was part of that. He was involved. Thing. Yeah. Now, Evolution had some their share of memorable moments, memorable matches. WrestleMania 20. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that's uh, a great match, the match by the way. Rock and Sock. That's Batista and Flair. Yes. Like that's, and that match is great. We get out of that a Orton-McFoley feud right. out of that storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah, it is. 2004. Yeah. And that whole thing. Uh, Triple H did some good work. Again, if you hate him, you hate him. I'm not going to convince you otherwise. It's not possible. But he's still a good heel. It's one of 
as much as I also don't like it, but it's at the same time, it is, you're right. It's one of Triple H's like cornerstone things. Uh, yeah, I don't really like it, but I can still appreciate that he was a good performer. Right. I just don't like it. And if you don't like, like it, I don't blame you. It, you know what it is, I think, too? It's like it's the first time that Triple H is kind of removed from good Triple H. Like, like you know, 2000, 2001 yeah, Triple H? It's like his first act. Yeah, and it's not as good. Yeah. 2000 Triple H is like one of my favorite wrestlers I ever. I know it is. That's why I'm saying. But it's after like, that, no. Yeah. Exactly. He's just irritating at that point. Like, it's just like, God, like, can we watch Shawn Michaels, please? Like, you can know watch I mean? anything else, yeah, please? Like, what, what happened to Austin? Can yeah. we have, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just more like, what happened to Steve Austin? What where's, happened to The where's Rock? Where's the fucking Rock? Like, you know, like that. So ironically, I think it was as great as it was because of Batista and Orton and what it did for them. It, it Triple H had like soured his legacy in a way. Yeah. But, and for the programming, I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. So well, is it better than The Nation, in Michael? In 2004, you did. I perked up again. Yeah. And, and it was anchored in Evolution's, like, downfall. The, the that, end that, of it. that was yeah. like, that was, that was the whole fucking storyline for, like, 2004, True. 2005. True. No, no, no. I know. I liked the ending of it, too. Yeah. I like the logical conclusion of Batista winning. Right. You know what? I like that. They yeah. did it right. It's like a happy ending. Right? It was. It was it, like, no, we've launched the two names here. But, but like, you know what I don't care about is that whole fucking era in, in 03 where it's like, I'm going to beat Goldberg. Uh, and like, oh, just fuck you. Yeah. This stinks. But a, but quietly, Randy Orton was building. That we're building Randy Orton's Orton good. during that 2003 period. So it's really just, it's a matter of evolution is either above or beneath the nation. I don't think evolution gets above the Freebirds, does it? They don't. But I think they get above the nation, and here's here's my only reason why. Aww. It's just because, Aww. like, if if the nation launched the Rock, but the the Evolution launched both Batista and Randy Orton. Yeah, but the Rock is a little bit more, you know, credible than the other two. But I mean, I mean, Batista's like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, yeah, so like, is the Rock. Yeah, and I I would say that. Um, so is Randy Orton. You know, he was one, in WWE films. Give it some time. I I do think maybe Batista might be a bigger star than The Rock. I don't know. At some point, like because he's really know. building up in the Hollywood there, as he should. Yeah, as he should. By yeah. the way. <sighs> All right. Can we be honest about the Nation? Everyone, everyone loved the Nation. We romanticized the Nation. The good run of the Nation was like less than a year. Yeah, and not only that, I it the, wasn't that good. I think the biggest problem <laughs> is that both both the Nation it was a few months of really good. The Nation and the Evolution, they both have their sour parts, but there was a lot more bad Nation than there was good. Well, everything up to when Farouk gets sort of crushed and Savio in the summer of '97 sucks. It sucks so much, like, but Farouk is good. Don't get me wrong; he's really You're good. You're also forgetting just annoying ass Owen, but like not in a good way. Just the caution. That was tape. bad. Yeah, like, I didn't like that. I just didn't. Just, yeah, whatever. Uh, all right, evolution. They're like an inch above the name. It's very close. You think they are? Yeah, I, I think, I think credit where credit is due because if, if, if it's to be believed that you know evolution started as a project to cheer up Ric Flair and turned that's into, the stupidest thing I've ever in, heard. By the way, turned into a vehicle to to launch two fucking superstars that anchored their entire product. Yeah, then it succeeded. Okay, fine. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Heenan family... All right, then we'll put it above the nation. So number four. Yeah. The Heenan family, though? Yeah, so this... I, I can't rank this. I, I don't, it's so... They're not really a... I love Bobby. Listen. But it was like... It really felt like it was just Bobby's show. It was just like Bobby's goobers that like... Other than Andre the Giant. I have a proposition for you. Yeah. What if we call a no ranking on this and we just pull somebody out at the finale? And see where they rank. Pull whoever, whatever name would have been next out. 
But are some people... I'm not comfortable ranking this here. You don't think it's a stable? Is no. That, is, it, is that your your argument here? The only time I can really call it one is like the, the 80s WWF when you had guys that were there long enough. Like Andre was there for three years. Barbarian. The only, like the only thing with this... Rude. The only thing I'm going to say, the only argument that they actually are stable is the whole... When primetime was really heating up at the end of 87 into like up to about 90... Yeah. They were very much a stable. Like, they were talked about as a stable. Like, you know, that version where Bobby is just, like, arguing with Gorilla, but, like, you know, his uh, yeah. guys are, like, appearing on primetime with him, uh, and there's, like, some kind of cohesion between the whole thing. I'll even give you from the time he came in, like, his WWF run. Right. It's a stable. It just it switches membership, but he he always had a cornerstone, yeah. whether it was you know Big John Stud or Paul Orndorff or something like that, and then Andre. Yeah, and the only reason I'm bringing up the primetime okay. stuff is because okay. it's the only time where like you're literally seeing like other Heenan family members like interact with each other. You know what I mean? Other than like sometimes there's an interview in the ring right. at some point on like Superstars where Bobby's just bragging, "Look at my family." So consistency wise, I mean, Andre's there for three years straight. Right. Rude is there for three years. Yeah. You're right. The fact that Haku starts the team with Andre, for example, yeah. that's like cohesion within the family. But is any of that better than any of these? Is any? No. I that's mean, why I'm wondering is like, is the Heenan family like under the nation? Because yeah. there's no cohesion. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, 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 it's very it's like different. It was never, here's the thing, it was, like you said, it was, like, never really designed to be a stable, per That's se. Why it was, I like, the idea it. was, like, that it was brains, like, group of people. Like, it was the people that Bobby, just, like, the Hart Foundation under Jimmy Hart. It's never really a stable. It's yeah. just, like, it's just, like, a bunch of people Jimmy Hart managed. So, do we, can what, we... What is there, the fucking Slick Foundation, <laughs> too? Like, you know what I mean? Like... Do you want to call it a no ranking? I actually think we have to be fair here instead of that. I, I think it's it's worse than the nation. Okay. I think that's where it lands, to be honest with you. I do too, but it's not because of Bobby Heenan. Let's, let, Here's we, the thing is if we if we remove it as a no rank, I yeah. think we're denying the vote of the fans. I think we just rank it fairly. All right. It, 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 if you agree I with that. I wouldn't have voted yeah. for it to begin with, but right. I mean, you guys are allowed to. Right. Um, I think we can't deny the votes, you know, and especially in an election year like this, you know. Very true, Quinn, yes. Don't, we don't want to. We don't want to monkey around with our ballots here. Right, Exactly. I think it's below the nation on the grounds that it wasn't really a stable. Yes. That, that's that, the only reason. That's the biggest, like, even if it rose above the nation, I don't even think it would beat Evolution. So it's like, I don't think it would beat the Freebirds. I don't think it would beat the Harp. I, I think it's just the last one. I don't even think it beats the nation. Because as a stable, it didn't, well, Bob, Bobby Heenan got all these guys over. Being in the Heenan family didn't. Yeah. Bobby Heenan helped get Rick Root over, but even if that's only who he managed, he would have. Right. It wasn't because he was in the Heenan family. The only time I remember the Heenan family being more of a stable is like when King Kong Bundy and Big yes. John Stutter like hanging around and together. Crummy. Like <laughs> or, that good. and like when like Haku and Andre are teaming and things like that. Yeah. And like Rick Root is saving Bobby on prime time. I agree. Like beating up people. There's very rarely a lot of group related activity with them. That's that's the biggest problem. I'll put it beneath the nation. I will say this. They made you believe based on the commentary that there was some kind of cohesion, but it was yeah. all just like bullshit that gorillas just like, oh, and those fucking Heenan family, right. man, they're talking backstage. Like, it's like, right. no, it's not on camera at all. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so let's put it like this. So, so no one is confused here and no one gets mad. Bobby Heenan himself is one of, if not the greatest wrestling manager of all time. 
and he got a lot of guys over and made a lot of money with them and did a lot of business. But the Heenan family as like a fa- as a stable as a concept, it's too fluid. It's too liquid. It's too nebulous. plasmatic. Is it's too it? nebulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's too many moving parts and different guys at different times and doing di- totally different things. They never come out and save each other. It's or anything. very rare. They, I mean, not never, but yeah, yeah they, it's very rare. So it's only on that basis that we're putting it as a stable yeah. uh, at number six. They decide to be a stable every year at Survivor Series. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, it's like... That type of thing. Excuse me? Like, when are these guys ever intersecting? So there you go. That's why I'm putting it there. Are you okay I'm, with that? I'm fine with it. All right. So for this week, folks, we have a little bit of a shakeup. Not a major shakeup, though. Let's be fair. At number one, it's still the NWO. Two is still the Heart Foundation. Three is still the Freebirds. But at number four, it's evolution. They have trumped the nation. They are above the nation of domination. And in a shocker, Quinn, number six, the Heenan family. You you would think, you know, Bobby Heenan, but... Can't always get what you want. But you you might find. You get what you need. Yeah. And uh, folks, let us know what you think. Let us know why. Again, more importantly, don't just say we're wrong, we're stupid, you hate Triple H. We know you do, okay? If you hate Triple H, you hate Triple H. I get it. I get it. People don't like them. But let us know why if you disagree with us. Do that, please, on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. Quinn, when we come back, comfort for the wrestling soul. Yes. We are going down to Memphis for some Continental Wrestling Association, and that'll be coming up right after this. Kenny said it all. When the going got tough, you took a little hike ski for yourself. I'm going to make it real simple. And I hope somewhere in this United States of America, Mr. Patera is watching. Probably is. I don't care about you paying your debt to society. I don't care about any of that garbage. You walked out on me when you got in trouble. When you couldn't control yourself as a citizen, and you can't handle yourself properly, then we separate right there. I could care less if your wife had to take and wash or get five or six jobs. I could care less if your little kids had dirty diapers or pablum smeared all over their face. I'm a businessman. When you cease to not be productive anymore for me, you're gone. You're dumped. And when you got in trouble, that's what happened, pal. I dumped you. And if you think you're going to get away with putting a belt around my neck and trying to decapitate me, it's not over yet. Not by a long means. Well, you had your say. Are you happy now? I don't feel well. Right now, let's go to Pedro Morales. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast. Hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode number 195. Thank you for being with us here. Quinn, we're reviewing something. We are. This was tremendously fun. Yes. It, <laughs> here's the thing. Memphis here. This That's is what the, we're doing. It's called uh, CWA or something. Continental Wrestling um, Association. But not that continental. It's different a, one. Different one. 
this company is always very like cutting edge weirdly that you wouldn't think they're right? just different yeah it's just a different way of doing it down there in fact speaking of continental they're very continental like like the other continental they're like a different flavor of continental like the fuller's continental yeah like the fuller's continental this is uh jerry jarrett's continental we'll get into that in a second it was recommended to us by don depenay so don you're the MVP of this week's episode because we needed something good to review again. Yeah, this we was, got this something was, this good. This was worth it. That's yeah. two in a row where we had something good. Now, Continental Wrestling Association was Jerry Jarrett's promotion. Mm-hmm. He had split off from Nick Goulas down in Tennessee. They divided the territory in half. Now, Jerry Jarrett, can I ask a question about him? Did he ever wrestle? Because I don't, I don't think so. Wrestle he was ever. a promoter. Okay. As far as yeah. I know, it was okay. just a promoter. Just making sure. He had split off from Nick Goulas and founded this promotion himself in 1977. So we are about nine years in here. This is from March of 1986. You can find this on YouTube, by the way, if you want to. You just look for Continental Wrestling March 3086. It's there. Yeah, March 8th. I mean, March 8th, excuse me. March 8th, 1986. That's where we got this from. Memphis did its own thing in a good way. They were an NWA affiliate to start. By this time, we're like right in the transition in 86 where they were actually becoming more associated with the AWA as they would continue on. You know, they would kind of famously merge with world-class Yes. To form the USWA. Mm-hmm. That was their big play. Yes. But honestly, to me, that seems, looking back, it's a matter of survival and not, like, what they want to do. Because this place is a very different place. Like, it, it, it does its own thing. Oh, yeah. Well, you know this, what I mean? This is filmed in the television studio. Mm-hmm. One of the commentators is the actual weatherman for the station. Correct. The other one is a fantastic announcer. We'll get to both of those guys, of course. Mm-hmm. And they did their own thing in their tiny little studio. People would watch it on television on Saturday mornings, I believe it was. Yeah, and then they would sell out the Memphis, whatever <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, the Mid-South Coliseum, it was yeah. called. People just loved their wrestling down there. And obviously, the centerpiece by this period of time since the 70s was Jerry the King Lawler, who was in and out and all around different places and territories by this time. Yeah, people tend to forget that King was a Essentially, like Hulk Hogan in his area. He was like, there, Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. He was there. Hogan were like the King is the best wrestler ever. That's why he's the King. They like, loved him. You know, they loved King. Yep. King had put this territory on the map with Andy Kaufman in the early eighties. I mean, this right. was the big. This put Memphis on more of a, a national scale in terms of some kind of awareness because mm-hmm. of Letterman and Andy Kaufman being who he was, and that was all part of the long running Jerry Lawler jimmy hart feud right which ended obviously when jimmy hart lost a loser leaves town and went to wwf but anything we've ever watched in memphis it does have that different feel quinn it's very uh homey homey rough around the edges yes it's just very different they have a way in their television episodes of lulling you like at the beginning like oh here's some just fucking wrestling that another week of wrestling who gives a shit right and then always something happens in the middle like it's like it's an episode of fucking maury or something (laughs) like you know what i mean like it's like some controversial shit and it's like oh we gotta scramble get this shit to get like it's weird like that it does it it sets you into this lull and then i feel like it's almost predictable when we watch memphis that some bullshit's gonna happen in the middle of the episode a lot of times some bullshit does and one of the things i like about memphis and the way they produce their tv is they are not focused on the technical wrestling so much as the storytelling no and that's something that i like i do like wrestling clearly you know they they are a story focused promotion they are story focused uh and it's lowbrow a lot of it is lowbrow this is not like highbrow like sophisticated stuff it's just 
good. It's just well done. You it, know what I mean? It brings you in. It, it captures you. Correct. So let's get to a quinn of this Continental Wrestling Association. This is the Evansville, Indiana broadcast, by the way, March 8th, yep. 1986. And here we are back in this company. I don't know how it existed for so long. So also, long. that's the other thing. It's like. I always look at them and I say, weren't they around in like the 90s somehow? Yeah. Like, no, they were. Continental merged with World Class. That was the USWA. Right. Picked up. World Class, like Fritz got the hell out of that immediately and it was all back to Memphis again. Right. And USWA was Jerry Jarrett. I think King even bought a piece in the late 90s. Makes sense. And then they sold in 97. They became Power Pro. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, they were around a long time. Right. Uh, so we get a gloriously 80s intro here, which has a funky version of 2001 Space Odyssey Flares music. Yep, with that wrestling statue. Didn't Detroit have that? I swear. A couple of promotions have it. This like weird, like shadowy close-up of a wrestling statue. Yeah, yeah I've seen that purple other things. Backgrounder. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Anyway, we're at the desk in the studio with, yes, Lance Russell. I love him. And Dave Brown, not that Dave Brown, no, by the way. Not the shitty Giants quarterback. No, no, yeah, no. no. But <laughs> Dave good, Brown, the, good Dave Brown. The weatherman. Dave Brown, we're right along ringside. Woo! What a group we got today, huh? And they're in like the yellow Tron zone. <laughs> this is the most absolutely bizarre, almost like He-Man style poster of like a wrestler holding a belt. <laughs> you know? This is What a scene this area is. Like, it looks weird. You know what I mean? Like, this, I'm not used to this. I don't even think I've seen this. On, this must have been not that long on Memphis. This, I don't know. This weird background. This yellow one? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But it's a good start already with yeah. these two being our announcers. And they just happily run down tonight's card. Program that we got lined up for today's championship wrestling. Going to have the big guy out of Austin, Texas in here to begin with. Very happy, very folksy, you know what I mean? Which just makes me smile. Mm -hmm. And then Lance sends us over to break with an awesome bumper song. And by the way, the championship wrestling logo, it looks way too similar to like WWF 1982. Yeah, it does. Out. I noticed that too. Almost like generic, like but they stole the font or something, or it's or maybe built just, in. I'm wondering, honestly, the, with the way WF was back in you know the early '80s, yeah, if that somebody just made that and it was like a stock championship wrestling, like period, like and it was just some stock shit they pulled. It's probably just the one of the fonts on the character generator or whatever the hell maybe. they're using for this. You know, I don't know. It, um, it just looked almost exactly the it same did. Like, in the yellow and everything. Yeah, uh, but we come back to ringside now where. Benny Trailer is in the ring, and he's going to be taking on Dirty Roads, who literally just looks like a dirty, dusty Roads. He literally looks like a shitty, dusty Roads imitation. Like, you know, shitty Beatles or whatever. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Shitty Beatles. Yeah. Jolly Green Giants, shitty Beatles. The shitty Beatles, are they any good? They suck. But it's not just a clever name. The referee here is a really young Jeff Jarrett in green khakis. What, Dime Boy over here? <laughs> yeah, Dime Boy. And he looks really dorky, by the way. It's yeah. amazing how dumb he looks. He looks stupid. Uh, the camera angle, too, absolutely stinks. Yeah, it's it's hideous. <laughs> it's like it's like we're under the ring, <laughs> yeah, but the what? camera's like, hey, there's a ring up there. You know? What like, is that? Yeah, they set it down on the floor? Yeah, and some of the other angles are dumb, too. There's a lot of bad yeah. ones, uh... Dirty here with a hip toss to start and a body slam. I love how the announcers happily just call him dirty. Yeah, and like, dirty with a yeah, hip toss. Yeah, they don't even like say the roads part. Dirty. Drops down on him. Dirty. Fucking dirty. Dirty roads. The only dirty person I think of is dirty white boy. Dirty, dirty white boy. Dirty uh, Dick Slater. Dirty Dutch. He's he's dirty. Dirty Dutch Mantel. Yeah. yeah, he's also dirty. There's a lot of dirty people down of, there. Well, huh? it's dirty down yeah. there near the Ozarks. Mm -hmm. uh, snap hair by Dirty. 
and a leg drop off the ropes and an elbow. And we get to see this angle I was talking about. It shows yeah. us like the Tron zone, like, but like the in lighting's the not, it, right? it looks terrible. I know. Like, and also the lighting is poor on just this too. Yeah. Like, it's like you can see the shadows like on the wrestler. Like, why are they filming from this angle? The studio is a dump, but you know what? It's like a good dump. It is. It's, it's charming. Like, like you said, it's like folksy and like local. There's like 60 people in there. It's, yeah. I love how they do this. I re- it's just a fucking soundstage. This is like if I had a wrestling company like in New Jersey yes. and like but we somehow were able to get on like local TV. Yeah. Like this is what I would do. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's like intimate. This, yeah. Just, it's like can we get like 60 people? It's like mostly your friends. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like just, just make friends. it look like people care about this crap. <laughs> right. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Uh, dice double underhook suplexa by Dirty. Off the ropes again. A big Dusty Rhodes elbow. Uh, elbow drop gets the quick win for Dirty. And I can live with that nice and quick. This is how an opening should so be. I mean, it was like a minute. It was yeah. great. Even Dave, Dave Brown. So yeah, Dave Brown. And this starts the whole... I love this. He's just counting every like minute of every match. Yeah, he's he's, like, it's real. And we're uh, a minute and 25 seconds. It's like, yes. The time on it. One minute. Even... If you notice that, I think Dave Brown's also the announcer, but he's like at the Tron Zone, like announcing, like and in the ring. He's the ring announcer. So yes. So what I'm wondering is, do the wrestlers and the fans do they hear what they're saying over no. there? He's just announcing it for the live for but, the people listening on television. Oh, because I was I was hoping that because I was wondering if in the, the reason Dave Brown was saying times is so the wrestlers knew that like <sighs> hey like we got to. Because there's you gotta think there's, there's a better way to do it than that, or that like well, I mean, did you see how they were doing some stuff on here? Yeah, but they have referees that tell you the time. I'm just saying, pan show the pan or whatever yeah. they say on NBC. Do you trust Jeff Jarrett to give you time though? No, or yeah. a dime. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of cheerleaders in the front row are clapping. By the way, more on them later. As we see Dave Brown back at the desk, and what I love, Quinn, he was literally doing the commentary with a handheld mic, yeah. like no headset. There's, like, no one in the back to talk to. It's old school. <laughs> they run it. Like, yeah. Lance and, and Dave run this shit. You can tell. I, they're fucking pros, too, because they, they don't... They're weathermen and all this. Lance has been a broadcaster since, like, the 50s at yeah. this point. Like, literally since the 50s they're, at they're, this point. Pro- they don't need anybody to tell them anything. <laughs> like, it's like, they don't even need the owner to tell them anything. No! Yeah. If he has dumb something, it just comes out. Yeah. It's real. It's, that's 100% real. <laughs> so, anyway, the charm of this, I just love it. Anyway, we go to break again. We come back. Where Lance Russell's like, you know what? I'm going to tell you like it is. He's in like some other room in front of like a blue curtain now. Did you notice yes, that? Yes, I did. Yeah. For like a pre-tape or something, yeah. right? And he's like, you know, coming up might be one of the most important programs there's ever been involved with here. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you about it. Yeah. What? <laughs> I didn't. Okay, we're going to be back into the action here in just a moment. I got to take time to tell you this and tell it to you just like it is. This coming up may be one of the most important championship wrestling programs we have ever been involved with. And you you know that is a lot of them. Now, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. That's some Lance Russell fucking logic. He's <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, I'm holding it back because I want you to be surprised about some other shit. Right, right? it's yeah. television, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he also wants to tell us about this upcoming card in Evansville, Indiana, where Joe LaDuke is going to be there. Who? Joe LaDuke. Yeah, him. Okay. <laughs> the Fantastics are going to be taking on the Mod Squad. Mm. Uh, we're going to get our first look at them tonight as they wander into the frame now. With their manager. Uh, this guy. J.D. Costello. This fucking guy. He looks like fucking Joey Gladstone dressed like Harry the Hat. I'm not even kidding. He's awful. It's so bad. He's so amateur, man. Yeah. And we're going to come out on top. Well, those that's got to be your opinion, but... And this guy was apparently some local DJ that had never worked in wrestling before. This literally just reminds me of Icy Ice and Wolfie Wolf. Right. Like, it's like it's the same kind of shit. Probably just like... 
down wolf, downtown wolf. Memphis, like fucking like they just went to some club. It's like, oh, you would be good on wrestling. Right. Like where you can literally walk into the radio station and be on the air. Like I can just imagine Jerry, you know what Jerry I mean? and Eddie Munstrey or whatever his name is. Like <laughs> Eddie Munster. Eddie Manfeet, whatever. Hit them getting like drinks at some fucking yes! club in downtown Memphis and they're like, club. Hey, this guy's pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? No, those those old men, they fucking partied, I guarantee club? you. Like yeah, club, something I guarantee you. They seem like that kind of old man. Yeah, the nice one where they have the cloth napkins. Yeah, then they go to they go to the they go to the young people joints. Uh, you <laughs> the know, butter I, comes in a little paper cup yeah, instead yeah. of packet that you have to. No, open not up. that kind of. Just anyway, they seem like they're in in the know. Now this guy J D Costello Quinn. Yeah, I guarantee you. I don't know this, but I have a theory. He was a DJ, right? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they just flipped the J and the D. Oh my god, that's so bad. That he was probably DJ. Hi, I'm Custin- DJ Costello at like the fucking yeah, Memphis some country ass station. Memphis club here. I am radio. Yeah. Anyway, he's awful. Uh, Lance is good. Lance Russell is always good. And who the fuck are the Mod Squad? I don't know, but they look like shit. Like they don't even look good. <laughs> I know. Like, they look sh- stupid. They look dumpy. And they're challenging for the AWA. Southern tag There's titles. There's that AWA yeah. connection. Prestigious belt. Yeah. Uh, apparently they've been fired by the New Orleans Police Department and their <laughs> names are Spike and Basher. Probably a good idea. They did that. <laughs> Spike and Basher? Yeah. Do you think they're actually ex-cops no! in real life? No. It's a gimmick. Okay. Spike and Basher. Wow. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> Fake LOD, man. They look like two brothers-in-law inspired by Hercules. They look ridiculous. That's stupid. Lance is like, all right, well, anyway, let's go back to uh, <laughs> go back to Dave Brown here. Like, he no, doesn't care like, at all. Fuck this shit. This is a weak <laughs> act. We got better stuff to do today. <laughs> and uh, we are back at the desk now. Lance and Dave are there. They're excited about tonight. But more importantly, Quinn, the big development with Dutch Mantel now, you know, he's a weird guy. They say kind of a loner. He keeps to himself. But Eddie Marlin That's, recently. Yeah, Eddie yes, Man's Feet. Or, Eddie Man's yeah, Feet. Yeah. Recently had a sit-down interview with Dutch. And we're going to see that. We throw to that. And I love the way it's shot. It's all dark and shitty. And they're sitting on some junky couches. Literally somebody's living room. Literally. Like, it, this is, it might even be Jerry Jarrett's living room. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It's not a set. Yeah. It's definitely in a house. They brought one camera. <laughs> Come over. We're going to film this yeah. tonight. Like, you know what I mean? It's like fucking Tuesday yeah. or something. I'll make you dinner and then we'll do this. My wife will make dinner. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll eat and we'll film this shit. Love it. Dutch, I just wanted to get with you this morning and talk to you. I've had phone calls, at phone calls, thousands of letters. Eddie's uh, asking what's going on here with Dutch Mantel and Bill Dundee. They used to be such great friends. They looked out for each other, and Dutch takes a minute to tell us the deal. Proudly wearing a hat and sunglasses, by the way. Love it. Now, Dutch Mantel, obviously, folks, is Zeb Coulter, Uncle Zebekai, whatever yeah. you want to call him. But Uncle Zeb. Uncle in Zeb. Some circles. Yep, I love him. He says, uh, this is going to be a deep-rooted story here. And then he takes off his hat and sunglasses because it's serious time. This is serious, I mean, folks. I got a story for you. I got a story for you, folks. Imaginary stories. Yep. <laughs> geek and sassy. Uh, they've both been here a really long time. But, you know, in wrestling, you got to move around. Bill went to Louisiana. Dutch went to Florida for a while. And while he was in Florida, he was able to get himself back over to Louisiana. He saw Bill Dundee. They were happy about all that. They teamed up a bit. They drove together. They flew together. They were friends. Well, you saw Bill, you saw me. Because we were friends. And we'd ride them down the road, and I'd take my guitar, and I'd play it. And boy, me and Bill, we would sing and all this stuff. We had, to me, I thought we had a good thing going. Dutch played his guitar. They would sing. I love this, Quinn. I love the, There's the detail. There's a lot of table setting here. I love it. It's, it's important for later. It feels like a real person talking. Yeah. That's why I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a legitimate story. Right. It, like he repeats himself sometimes. Like it's not like neutered or anything. Yeah. No one wrote this. No He's one doing... edited this. No. It's just he just did it. I it's love like... it. 
He'd chew his tobacco, he'd tell his jokes, he'd listen to his country music, they'd hang out at the airport bars together a little bit. Unfortunately, Bill's contract was up down there, he went back home. So finally, Bill, his, his contract was up down there. And he said, I want to go back, I want to go back home. After about a month, Dutch wanted to go back too, but it took him a little bit longer. I had some obligations, things like that. You know, in wrestling, you got to fulfill your contracts. But once he did, everything was great. The way it always was. But then this blonde-headed guy named Buddy Landell showed up. This fucker again. <laughs> can't get rid of this guy. Like, seriously, he stinks. He gets around, huh? Yeah. Yeah, really? Why does everyone like... Like, seriously, why does everyone hire this guy? I don't know, but he never stayed anywhere. Like, he always fucked up his chances or something like that. He would, like, terrible. break his ankle or something. He yeah, did, like, I weird know. shit, and he always uh, fucked up. Buddy Rydell. <laughs> Buddy, Buddy Rydell. This ring announcer fucking sucks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> anyway, Dutch says that Bill Dundee is like a chameleon. Let me tell you people about Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee is like a chameleon. Is that the word? He says that Bill Dundee, when he gets around somebody, he tries to drop their characteristics. You know, when, when Bill Dundee was with Dutch, he really loved the country music. He always wanted to chew that tobacco, but once Buddy Landell came around, Bill Dundee changed, and he started to act like the nature boy. Why? He sucks ass. <laughs> Why would anyone want to be like him? Like the, Bill Dundee and Dutch are old. They, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, Buddy Bill Landell's Dundee. a little punk. I know. You know? He is. He's young. Yeah. Uh, and before Landell, you know, they'd go places together with the low ceilings. They'd drink their Jack Daniels, but once Buddy Landell showed up, now Bill just wanted to go to these highfalutin places, you know, with the high ceilings, the chandeliers, the wine, the backgammon. Backgammon, Backgammon. Yes. Dutch isn't into places like that. And Buddy Landell is here telling Bill Dundee, you know, that Dutchman tells a redneck, that he's a hillbilly, that he's cramping his style. I kind of like this story, Joe. Because so good! The reason is, is because it's very natural, right? It's like, yes. it, and it probably, like, if, if we're trying to think about it in real life, right, it was probably like, uh, Bill Dundee was like, come on, Dutch, you gotta not act like a redneck. Like, yeah. it was in that, like, you yeah. can see it in real life playing out. It's like, it's like, come on, you gotta hang out with us at the, the high places, right? Yeah, you the know? high places. You know? The chandeliers. Like, you can't act like a redneck and all this. <laughs> like, you can see it like the other side. Yep. One time they pulled into a restaurant, Bill Dundee told Dutch to stay in the car. Next thing he knew, Dundee was showing up in tuxedos, and he's like, I didn't stop liking them. They stopped liking me. But let me tell you one thing. See, what happened is I didn't stop liking them. They stopped liking me. Which is fine with me. I love it. This is fantastic. Yeah. It just feels real. It's good. Dutch says, you know what? I can whoop both of them. I ain't backing down from nobody. And I don't care if you call me a redneck or a hillbilly, but you got to be able to back it up. This is a long story, though, for something very basic. <laughs> I like know. They, it, 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 it was one take. You could tell. It was oh, like they yeah. did not edit this or anything. No way. Like, and Dutch is not keeping time nope. in Jerry's house. You know? <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, look, I like country music and I like tobacco. You want to ride with me? I love it. Eddie Marlin. Like, you want to ride with me, Dutch? Yeah, he's talking to Eddie. <laughs> it's great. And Dutch is like, hey, you want me to play you a song on my guitar? Wait, really? <laughs> like, because the story's over at this point, so this is, like, really going long. They're still going. Yeah. So Dutch literally happily gets up, goes and finds his guitar. Yeah, he's like, wait here for a minute. Let me get my sunglasses and shit and <laughs> Just <guitar>. dead air. <laughs> yeah, just dead air. Oh, okay. Yeah, just mumbling. Comes back with his sunglasses on again and plays a nice little instrumental ditty, and he actually plays it very well. I don't care what anyone says. It's really good. How much you think this guitar cost me? I ain't no tell. I can't tell you. It's a secret, man. <laughs> What you want to hear? What little wildwood flower? That's fine. And then we just fade away from that. It's amazing. It. And we're back at ringside where Dutch himself is entering the ring to take on Jerry Garman. Who? 
Who's that? The jobbers are very like I've never seen these people anywhere. Oh god, no! Yeah, I like, looked them up. They're like no one. Yeah, it's like you don't even know who these people are. Them, again, no so, birth records of so any kind. So local, it literally might be some guys Jerry Jarrett saw at the gym. Like I'm not even kidding. Hey, you want to wrestle? Yeah. <laughs> Dutch anyway has a very proud sweatshirt on. They keep calling him the Dutch man. By the way, <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember that. I don't remember that nickname. Yeah. Dutch Mantel, the Dutch man. Really? Yeah. There was a gorilla monsoon. Oh, there he is! That's, the Dutch man! That's a very gorilla, like, just making <laughs> names up thing, yeah. Referee is Jerry Calhoun in a very proud red shirt. Bell, Lockup, and Harry S. Dutch with an armbar. Well, it is still the 80s. Mm. Uh, back up, Lockup again, side-hugged by Dutch to the mat for a one count. I could honestly, Quinn, I could listen to Lance Russell and Dave Brown call matches all day. They're wonderful. They are so soothing and so yeah. good, man. Wasn't really going for the pin at that no. point. Staying right with him, center of the ring, hanging on to that side headlock, back over in the ropes. The referee calls for a break, and the Dutchman draws the fist back. Back up again in the corner, clean break. Dutch with a takedown, back into an armbar. We ride the armbar a bit as Garman tries to come back, but Dutch nails him with a nice power slam for the quick win. Great pace to this show. Yeah, I feel like that Dave Brown is very concerned with the match. He's, I was like, oh, that was a, that was a minute and yeah. whatever. He just immediately. He's on it, man. Yeah. He's like, I know how long it was. You need to know. I'll tell you how He's long it was. He's got a fucking stopwatch with a probably digital one in the 80s like, that nobody had. Get that out of the places with the high ceiling. Shitty battery. It's like one AAA or something in the it. Green. Yeah. The green display. Yeah. Back to the announcers now who are jolly discussing the finish of the match. This feels like local Good Morning Memphis, except <laughs> wrestling. Like, seriously. Hey, we do have a new one of the personalities there. Dave Brown could be the morning weatherman. You know For what all I mean? we know. Literally. Because yeah. he is a weatherman. Did you hear about how they brought him out on AEW? What? In, in like January for like Memphis Appreciation Good Night. Lord, how old is he now? I think he was like 73 or something. Holy shit. Yeah, but they brought him out. Isn't that nice? That's awesome. They like, so whoever liked him was like, why don't you come out and do this? And he came out. Hey, listen to our show. I've heard Dave Brown reviews. <laughs> yeah, here. that's where, if, yeah. of all the podcasts out there, when you think OVP, you think Memphis. Well, we're number 50 or something in <laughs> Not in Memphis related content. Well, I think Mike Mills might have a little bit of a leg up on, uh, on Southern wrestling before we do. That's true. A little bit. Not this territory. They you know, don't book this AEW one. Maybe some AEW guys are WF fans, and they heard maybe some of right. our some of our reviews uh-huh. on Memphis. That's say. what it is. There clearly, yeah. That, that's it's the cross pollination. It's actually Big Vito. You know, he's yeah. <laughs> his wife. Anyway, Lance sends us to break. We come back for a promo for the Grayson County High School show on March 10th in Litchfield, Kentucky. The Grayson County High School. Also on the 15th, they'll be at the Ramsey Indiana High School. Back to ringside now where Jeff Jarrett's going to be our referee again. He looks so darky. He's such a nerd. Uh, in the ring are David Johnson and Jim Jameson. Oh, what a name. Jim Jameson. Jim Jameson. <laughs> so, like, we just thought of this up, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their uh, opponents are the Nature Boy, Buddy Rydell. Yeah, there he is. And Crocodile Bill Dundee, who is wearing a blue Elvis jumpsuit. <laughs> he dressed like Hunky Dunky. What is, why is he dressed like Elvis? Honestly, his, the personality I got out of Bill Dundee, because I, I don't get to see him as much, only when we watch Memphis. That's all like, he ever only, is. Yeah. It's <laughs> like he is very honky donkey like, yeah but you know, not really yeah but his it's 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 his style australian like, honky yeah australian honky <laughs> yes. and like the ugh, look at him like, yeah <laughs> this will get into he's what, like five five yeah he's so unique looking i love him because he's so like only in memphis like you know what i mean like this guy would never succeed no. out of here maybe a world of sport is a jobber yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it really seriously uh landell is the mid-america champion yeah that matters dundee is the southern champion and lance is making fun of buddy's robe yeah, i can see all the crap coming off of it there and shedding uh jeff jarrett doofus dundee starts with johnson bunch of punches here and dundee's tights look like he's wearing a diaper <laughs> i'm not even joking it's real it, it looks like a fucking diaper <laughs> 
he's just got it's just a bad combination because he's got brown trunks but he's wearing like a like, white white like short trunks over the long brown trunks so it literally looks like he has a diaper it's on. bad looking. yeah he's so grungy yeah Dundee, but he's so good too uh tag to landell big elbow off the rope some chops like the other nature boy he's a ripoff yeah anyway. buddy rogers right yeah uh, and rick flair who what do you mean who's rick flair no buddy landell is the is he got he ripped everything off of Buddy Rogers. I don't know who this Flair fellow is. I don't. Who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Buddy attacks Jameson on the apron, tosses him in. I guess there was a tag made somewhere. Dundee in again with the body slam, kicks and punches Jameson in. Snapmare by Dundee tosses him out. Body slam on the floor by Dundee. Okay, damn, chill, chill, Dundee. <laughs> a little Get aggressive. A little, yeah, seriously. Like why? Why? A little testy here with it's this a jobber. jobber match. Uh, Dave Brown butts in to say it's been three minutes, which is like long for here. But yeah. I love it. hey, it's been three minutes already. Wow, yep. <laughs> I love him. Uh, Landell's <laughs> just looking at his watch the whole time. <laughs> Landell's back in again. Elbow, elbow drop gets the win. Buddy and then Dundee then continue to beat their poor opponents down. Jeff Jarrett gets all huffy with them about it. So Buddy's like, you know what? Fuck it. And he beats the crap out of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> now this, this is what we come to Memphis for. And this is the shit right here because this just triggers off some shit, right? Yep. This is, this is the point. This is where it all changes, folks. So Jerry Jarrett then runs out looking like Chuck Norris. I'm serious. Yep. <laughs> so the heels beat his ass, too. Jerry Jarrett with his jeans. What is even going on? Is he even a wrestler? Nope. <laughs> like, I don't know what... Just the promoter. They're, like, upfront about it, yeah, too. Yeah, just like, that's his fucking dad. <laughs> yeah, they're real about yeah. it. And then they go after Jerry Jarrett's good eye. He only has one good eye. So Lance Russell himself gets up from the desk. It's amazing. With Dave. They yeah. both leave. They're like, you, we, we cannot yeah. stand for this. You see him at ringside. Come on, this thing's getting out of hand now. Got Dundee's going for his eyes, Dave. He's only got one good eye in there. Come on. Jeff Jarrett, like, valiantly tries to fight back, but he's too Jeff Jarrett about it. Continues to get beat up. The heels are just in total control now. The announcers are gone, like we said. There's mm-hmm. no commentary. Finally, <laughs> this is amazing. Dutch Mantel runs out in his literal underwear. And no shoes on. No barefoot. knee pads, yeah, like nothing. nothing. Yeah. Just his skeevies here yeah. to clear the ring. Lance gets back on the mic bitching about this. This is just a kid out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sickest thing I ever saw. I'll tell you one thing. That is absolutely ridiculous. Jared is lifeless, Jeff that is, as Dutch Mantel helps carry him out. Lance Russell continues to bark about how Bill Dundee is just a piece of shit. He's not standing for the shit. I love Lance it's, Russell. It's great. It's great. And he's like, this is sick. This is sick. Sick, sick. The passion from Lance here is incredible. Like, he keeps going on. It's like, I've known this guy for 50 years or whatever he says. Like Jerry you know, Jarrett? Yeah, it's like yeah. 30 years or something. Like, this is crap. You can't stand for this shit. I love it. Yeah. Lance was always so emotionally invested in all this stuff in oh, Memphis. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like his friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love it. I love him. All the faces know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? They love him. Yeah. They love him, too. He loves them. They love him. And then he leaves. He leaves in a yeah. huff. So Dave's like, uh, all right, let's go to commercial. We're back now. We're... The Fantastics are making their entrance all proudly. Ugh, why? <laughs> Them again? How many fucking weeks with these guys? Like, seriously. And they look really stupid, but I yep. guess that was, like, cool in the 80s. They hug everyone again, <laughs> like the other week. Yep. <sighs> At least it's women their age this time. Yeah. Like, seriously, because they're, like, 20-something. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, okay, another, a bunch of other 20-something. At least it's not grandmas this right, time, right? right? It's like... <laughs> The cheerleaders. Yeah. Uh, and their song is Tush by ZZ Top, if you at all care. Uh, their opponents are Tony Falk and Keith Eric. And these fuckers. Never trust someone with two first names. Yeah. <laughs> 
teeth, Eric. Lance is like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, referee, don't start the match, and they like literally tell the ref, they're so, like, yeah, don't this, start. This is what I meant about like how are they connected into like or no, something like they're they're just, they're just yelling like, across the studio in the arena. Stop the show! <laughs> yeah, like, and literally, they do, and they actually do. <laughs> and why is that? Jerry Jarrett has wandered out all sad. With a towel over his eye. He's literally crying. He, Jerry Jarrett is literally crying. And Lance, Lance, like, we can talk about it later, Jerry. We don't need to do this right now. And he, like, comforts Jerry. It's he, amazing. He takes Jerry out of there, like, all, like, fatherly. He's like, don't worry, Jerry. We can talk about it later, Jerry. You don't need to do it right now. I mean, hey, you did whatever you could. The savage guys come out here and start going after the eye. That's the important thing. Let's worry about that now. Jeff is okay. He's going to be all right. Let's let's go. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's let's go on with the match, okay? And Dave Brown is by himself. This shit rules. So like, good. It's amazing. Oh, man, I love how haphazard and, and rough it they is. They do this a lot. It's so good, man. Like I said, it's like an episode of Maury or, or fucking... Local access programming. Yeah, it's, just, it's incredible. This is right up our alley. They're willing to, like, just act like um, this is local and we can just, you know, if we need to stop it right now while we're filming yeah. live on TV, we can do that. We can do that if we yeah. need to. Yeah. We finally have a bell. Fulton takes down whoever. Dave Brown now, who's by himself, he tells the ref to stop the match yeah. now. because Again. <laughs> yes. And they stop. Everyone stops. <laughs> they do. The wrestlers stop. They're like, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> like, what, like out of character, everyone's just like, wait a sec. <laughs> Time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's great. Oh, hey, hold it. Hold it just a minute, referee. Hold it. Can, can we stop just for a minute? Uh, and why is that? Because Eddie Marlin has come out here. So Eddie Marlin comes out to say, Jerry Jarrett is a great man. He's the best. I can't believe what's going on. They attacked his one good eye. And he's also very upset that these bastards attacked his grandson. Yeah. What, okay. What is this? Eddie Martin is a Jarrett? I no, don't no, understand. No. What is this? He is Jeff. He is Jerry Jarrett's father-in-law. Oh, okay. okay? So that's how. So Jeff Jarrett Jeff is Jarrett's his grandson. Mom's yes. Like dad. Dad. Yeah. Yep, okay. That's all it is. And he's like, listen. The one guy that can handle this shit is Jerry Lawler. What? <laughs> now, Lawler can't be there. He lost a loser, leaves town. But Eddie's like, I don't care about the contracts. You can sue me. Yeah. You can sue me. That's my fucking grandson, you <laughs> asshole. Like, it. basically. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to call Lawler later. And if I can get him on the phone, he's going to be here. And the fans freak out about it. They this. love it. Yeah, because it's like, oh, fuck yes, King. King. Yeah, it's like, they love King. He's a big hero down there in Memphis. Yeah. We go back in the ring now. Fulton with a monkey flip. Nobody even cares anymore. <laughs> They're like, wait, King? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Excuse me, King's gonna be here? Yeah, all you hear is like the beginning of like Mario Ulster's like, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with King probably mixed in there. King. Yeah. Uh, double team, double drop kick. Lance Russell has finally come back and he's still bitching about all of this. He calls the heels knuckleheads. <laughs> it's like, it's real. Those knuckleheads. Yeah. Fantastics with some more double team stuff. Fulton with a wrist lock on the mat now. As Dave brings up Tony. <laughs> Dave, he's like, uh, Tony Falk has a really long losing streak, and I don't think it's ending today. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. He's just like, that guy fucking sucks. That's like a gorilla move, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think he's going to win this one, your lordship. He's terrible. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Yeah. Uh, Falk with some punches in the corner, like the fighting back reverse. Yeah, if he, like, heard them. <laughs> yeah, trying. Yeah. Uh, but no, Rogers in now. Back body drop into an arm. Really, the arm bar on the mat? Come on. By the way, the ref looks like man feet from WWF, but a karate, like, referee <laughs> shirt or something. <laughs> Like, it's weird. Man feet from the WWF. That's a deep cut for yeah, you. Was, That's um a jobber in 83 if you're not you a patron. You need to watch the 83 man feet. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Keith Eric is in now. Fulton punches the crap out of him and comes off the ropes with a high crossbody for the win. Cool. 
that that match was nothing. That was it didn't pointless. Ex- it was literally like, can Dave Brown and Lance talk about stuff? Yep. And, was- and talk to, to Eddie Munfrey, what's his name? Eddie Marlin. Eddie Marlin. <laughs> the yeah. announcers again make fun of Falk's losing streak for fun, by the way. He's like, you see, he lost. The fucking loser. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we go to break again. We come back where Lance Russell is still pissed off. I like that he's in the blue curtain pre-tape room, but he's talking about like the shit that just happened. Yes. Like that's to me some like foresight, right? That show yeah, yeah. that's great planning. And yeah. it also shows how pissed off he is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm here to do a promo, but fuck, like, fuck they all this. That also means that they pre-taped that yep. and that whatever went down here had to go down exactly like how they planned it. Yep. You know what I mean? So that way he can complain about it. Right, yep. exactly. Really well done. Uh, he throws to a promo from Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell now back in the locker room. And they're also aware of what, like, this is supposed to be after what we just saw, yes. but that's in the past. Like, it's great. It's really well done. Yeah. And Dundee bitches about everything and he cusses a lot yeah about how uh, when i lost the lose the leaves town match you know i couldn't come back but now jerry lawler loses one he's gonna come back and then he starts talking about politics he's equating lawler to nixon and watergate this is incredible and he's like my whole life has been about to get rid of jerry lawler and the fucking politics has fucked it all up he says like that yeah like it's beat. <laughs> yes yeah. He says, I'll fucking sue them. Yes! And he actually says it. He says... Yeah, it's good. Uh, Hard cut now back to Lance Russell at the studio who brings in Dutch Mantel. And uh, Dutch is like, you know, the heels are a bunch of fucking assholes for going after Jerry Jarrett's good eye. And beating up the Haskell kid, like that's said. (laughs) That's how he says it. Uh, Dutch brings up Jerry Lawler. He hopes that Eddie Marlin's able to get him back here because he knows that Lawler can help. And he's like, look, Lawler's known Jeff Jarrett since he was yay high to a jackrabbit, which I guess is the southern version of knee high to a grasshopper. I guess. Same thing, yeah, right? It's, it's the same idea. Yay high to a jackrabbit. Knee, okay, knee good high to know. To, yeah, it's, it's just the, it's the southern edition. <laughs> jackrabbit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Eddie Marlin now runs in. He's like, look, I got Lawler on the phone. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Memphis rules because they don't wait, yeah. right? They never wait. It's the same. It's the continental approach, right? It's like, if we got to talk to someone, we're getting them on the fucking phone, <laughs> Gordon, right? Gordon, remember right? Gordon? Yeah, yeah, it's the same concept. It's like, we got to get the phone. Wait, we're not. We're not. <laughs> We're not waiting. Yeah, like, never the like, Gordon's like, I don't think you're right about that, sir. Yeah, and I'm going to make a phone call yeah, right now. He literally calls up that fucking Bob guy. Geigle. Bob Geigle. I'm huh? doing it now. Yeah. I'm doing it now. Geigle Fuck you. gets on the phone. Like, this is the same idea, right? Yep. It's like, we need to talk to King now. Right. right? Why, and, why would you wait a week? Right. No, we're not We're not going to wait for him to come to the arena. Right. We're going to call him at his house. Fantastic, like, it's incredible. Man. So good. Lance is like, hey, can we get this? Can we get it so everyone can hear it? So... We literally wait while they're figuring it all out. Yeah. People attempt to hook a phone into like the arena, like in front of us. It's amazing. It's so good. Like there's, they have like a, t- like you can tell, right? The phone in the back was on like just a tiny table yeah, because it's, it's like it's just a low table, just kind of by a door the, or something. The telephone table. Right. You can tell that literally this phone is hooked on a long wire <laughs> from that wall behind the curtain and they're ripping it and you can tell they can't get it far enough so it's just like the table is just almost like halfway out the curtain Lance, some old guy comes out some, with it some fucking like you know custodian or something <laughs> like he like brings it out and they're like oh thank you Jim or like Bob, Bob whatever <laughs> and like Lance is like ducking down with like a mic yes! in front of the receiver and he's like at the beginning of the phone call like it's all low but he eventually is like able to angle it because he's a professional this is real and like fucking Eddie is like on the floor oh, yes. like rooting for the phone call it's so amazing it's insane and Dutch is there Dutch is there watching yeah so Lance gets the mic up on the phone and King's on the line now we get to hear him hey jerry can you hear us huh? no this is lance uh eddie's out here with me jerry 
Hey, Lance. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, good. All right, listen. Uh, you know, I, I I just talked with Eddie just a moment ago, and I'm I'm sitting at home watching the, this this whole thing take place, and and you know, this, I mean this. This has just gone way past uh, what anything should ever be like this allowed to happen. Amen. He's really pissed off about this shit, and he's like, I hate Bill Dundee's stinking guts. And this call is long, by yeah, the way. It it's is. not just like, it's not like two seconds. No, it's pretty long. It's yeah. a whole story. So he basically goes into this whole thing about how he's done the, his best to help this promotion since the beginning. He's always stuck by the fans. He's always stuck by Jerry Jarrett. Yeah, and like I said, we see Eddie like, <laughs> like you see Eddie like praying that is- on his knees next to the phone like, God, I hope he, he agrees to come back and beat this asshole up, right? Like, he's like, the Eddie. Eddie, yes. Eddie, Eddie Marlin. Eddie Marlin. It's incredible. And Lawler's like, yes, I will be here. And even though I've had to fly across the country and the world to wrestle, I hate doing that. I want to be right here at home in front of the fans I've wrestled in front of all these years. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Bill D- Dundee probably will sue, but whatever. Eddie Marlin and Jerry Jarrett have enough money to tie this shit up in court. <laughs> like, it's amazing. It's like they, got, they got the cash. It'll be okay. They'll handle it. Yeah. And Lawler's like, look, I'm booked next week. But I'm canceling all my bookings. I'm coming back. And the crowd Fuck loves Japan. it. Yeah, 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 whatever they, it was. Wherever right? he is. Fuck Japan. Fuck the AWA. Yeah. And I love this, Quinn. This yeah. is so realistic. Yeah, it's good. This is how normal people would talk mm-hmm. and handle a situation like this. You know, again, this is why I... When people don't give King enough credit, right? He was a great performer. He is like, Memphis. You know, you know this shit's off the fucking cuff. Right? Yes. Like this this phone call here. This shit's live in the arena. Yes. This call. Yes. You know? This is real. They don't like interrupt him like and, and go on his cues. Like he's actually they're talking to King. They're on the talking phone. to the guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real phone call. King is probably at his actual house. Probably or somewhere. A hotel. Like, he was like doing cartoons or whatever. You know? <laughs> I like to draw hot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he talks about how sad it was to see Jerry Jarrett cry. And he's like, Look, I fought hard with and against Dutch Mantel. But I just want Dutch Mantel to promise that he's going to be there for me. So then Dutch comes on. He's like, King, I promise I'll be there. I give him my word. Dutch is like, yeah, we'll fuck these guys <laughs> yeah. up. Like, I, I give you my word, King. I'll, I'll help you, King. Now, can we say something here? Because I don't think we, we took a note on this. What but we it? were talking afterwards. And the way this all played out, Joe, right? Yes, yes. I was convinced there's no way Dutch doesn't screw him over at whatever it is. It smells like a screw job finish, right? right? It's it reeks of it, right? Because Dutch is also like newly facing because of the whole thing about yeah. like, you know, I was friends with them, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. But no, what, what lines up happening is uh, Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel team up to take on Dundee and Landell in a Texas door, Texas death tag match. Right. That went 26 falls an what? hour and 15 minutes. It's insane. Uh, it ended when Dutch Mantel reached his feet before Buddy Landell, I believe it was. Maybe it was Dundee. But yes, the faces won, and it, he didn't turn on him. Apparently, the match holds some like world record or something for falls, in, by me- the way. In Memphis, at least. Yeah. yeah, or somewhere. So that's what actually came of this. But Lance wraps up this great segment. And I love Lance's like little line here. He's like, you know, forgive us for all the behind-the-scenes stuff, but we figured it was important. I love this show. Right. I love that he says that. Yeah. Because it is what the fans don't know is this is part of the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, this right. is the gimmick. I love it though. You know, it's so realistic. It <laughs> really is. Yeah. Uh, we go back to an empty ring now where JD Costello is leading on <laughs> the, the mod squad. They look like such schmucks. They really do. And their opponents are Thunderbolt Hamilton and David Haskins. Whatever. Seriously though, this squad, they look 
dumb. They uh, look like jobbers themselves. They do. I mean, <laughs> Hamilton and Haskins look better than them. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Hamilton, like he kicks their asses for looking so dumb. It's real. Yeah. And then Basher finally comes in. Basher, whoever that is. <laughs> Basher. Tag to Haskins. Mm-hmm. Mod Squad dominate with generic heel ass walk around stompy punchy offense. You know. Yeah, man, this fake LOD stinks so much, Joe. Terrible. 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 Absolutely awful. Basher back in. Crummy knee to the gut on Haskins. Spike gets a pin off a top rope heart attack for the first fall. But see, time hasn't expired yet. And this is a time expiration match. Yeah, AK, it's just TV time, but Lance doesn't say that. Well, it isn't. It's They wrestle until they run out of time. So like, Wait, wait, wait. What? So wait, there, this is as many falls as it can be? Yeah. Is this a Memphis thing? Because remember that other yeah. thing we were just talking about? Yeah, it's a Memphis thing. Okay. But from a TV production standpoint, it makes sense. Because it's like, well, if you don't have any other matches, you'll just let this one run the show down. Right. Get as many falls as you get until we run out of time. when they started, there was like four minutes I left. <laughs> well, anyway, they keep wrestling as if that even matters. But thankfully, we just cut away anyway. Good. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> and we wrap things up at the desk. So I guess there's not a second fall, Quinn, yeah, right? Well, the time ran out, so yeah, sorry. Like, no, we're done. You know, yeah. Back over here to us. Yeah. And Lance is like, uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, <laughs> I was trying to think exactly what to say. Dave Brown, though, happily recaps everything we saw, like, match by match. Very old school. <laughs> like, very school. Like, he just is like, okay, and then um, we had this. And, yeah, we had uh, this match here. It was good. It, it was uh, three minutes. And <laughs> like, it's, seriously, he does all this. It's real. But yeah. all in all, they think that besides what happened with the Jarrett's, you know, this is a great show. They're all <laughs> happy about that. Yeah. Like, it was still great. The great morning of wrestling here. And then we cut away as we're informed that the announcers are not selected and paid for by the station, but rather by the promoters. Oh, good. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, Quinn, this was tremendous. I liked it a real lot. It was uh, it was folksy. It was gritty. It was sloppy, but it was realistic and it was awesome. I had I, I loved it. This was great. I, I love Memphis TV because shit happens and it's actually interesting. Just great show. Honestly, thank you, Don Depinay, for recommending this one. Yep. This was a lot of fun. I would not have sought this out on my own. It's great to be introduced to just a fantastic slice of Memphis TV. Wonderful. The matches were short and pointless and all the whole show was announcers and angles. Uh, and again, a major props, a major shout out to Lance Russell and Dave Brown. Well, the great announcers. They are seriously fantastic and they make me smile. And folks, we hope that OVP was able to put a smile on your face today. Maybe you're listening on Monday or throughout the week. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode number 195. Don't forget, you can send in comments uh, or topics, I should say, for us to talk about. Just send that to an email at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at ovppodcast. If you want to follow, if you want to support us, do that. Patreon.com slash ovppodcast or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. But until next week for 196, I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. Now, obviously, there's some comments from the other side of the fence. Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell had some thoughts of their own. You listen to them. Talk about Watergate. Talk about Shafted, Bud. 1975, I came here. 1975. Jared Statsy, stinking company. And about 1977, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, and Jerry Jarrett. But, oh, what happens? I get beat in a loser leave town, and I got to leave for a year. Louisiana, the worst world, brother. It's hot. It stinks. It's got mosquitoes, rednecks all over the place. And I'm there one year. And I would call Eddie Martin, but I call him every three months. I say, please, Eddie, bring me back anything under a mask. Anything. Just let me get out of this. I'm 
sorry, Bill. I'm sorry. You've got to stay. Your contract stays one year. It doesn't matter when Jerry Lawler, though. When Jerry Lawler gets beat three months and I beat him, I run him out of town. They tear up the contract. They say, come on back, Lawler. You help build this company. What the thing I did, Jared? Where have I been for the last ten years? I was up and down the road. I bled. I cried. I tears. I helped build your stinking company. And you're not giving it to Lawler. You're not bringing it back, Lawler. Jared, Nixon thought he was above it. Nixon thought he could do anything he liked. And he couldn't. They impeached him, Jared. And I'm going to get rid of you, boy. But no, I'm going to get rid of him. I'm not scared of you, Lawler. I ain't scared of you, boy. But you're not doing it to me, Lawler. My whole life was to get rid of you. My whole life was to be at the top of the mountain and I got the Jared politics is what did it Budro politics the whole stinking world screwed up in politics and you're not doing it to me Jared Russell you're not doing it to me I'm soon out of you, you stop, 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 stop.